Welcome everyone to the Faded Connections Path of Exile Community Podcast. This is the episode number 50, where we talk about the Harvest Manifesto in the context of the PoE crafting ecosystem. And then if we have time, we'll talk a little bit about our favorite neat picks from 3.13 builds and um, what we feel should be addressed in one of the future patches in terms of balancing. And for this celebratory 50th episode, we, of course, can't have any better guests than who we have here right now. It's uh, two very avid Path of Exile players who have countless of hours under their respective belts and are also probably the most relevant guests, relevant guests to the PoE uh, podcast meta, the backbone of the uh, critically acclaimed Bayclast podcast. It is none other than Octavian and Tarkicat. Welcome. <laughs> You sure I you was, didn't mean to get like rise on the show? Or? Yeah, that was, that was so deep. Have, I can have feel have it you in ever my throat. Got to enjoy um, explaining basic game mechanics to rise for like five hours. Have <laughs> you done this podcast yet? I, no, I've enjoyed watching one. you mm. explain game mechanics, like the super basic ones that you're like. I'm sure he already knows that. Like he's definitely trolling you. <laughs> I mean, it's it's fine because th- he'll then spend the entire next episode explaining what you said to him the last episode and saying that was his opinion <laughs> for the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds good. And then nice. the backbone was right. I, I was thinking about saying. I was thinking I could say the face and the brain of the podcast, but then I, I was worried that you guys would fear fight over who's the face and the, who's the brain part. I mean, we both know. But, you know, Bubs is the face and I'm the mm. brain of the uh, <laughs> podcast community. Well, the, eh, Bubs, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so how's everything going? Do you guys are still uh, playing Path of Exile these days or just full-time D&D? Or, um... It, we'll just Imagine if you could be full-time D&D. Um, sure you can do that. Last couple of days, I've been doing a little bit of variety streaming, like literally in the last two days. Um, but before that, I finished up getting thirty six forty, and I don't know. I was gonna start going for forty forty, and then I did a Cyrus on my boss killer, and just barely stepped back into the meteor. And now I don't really want to play anymore because <laughs> the, <laughs> the character I invested like a hundred X in is dead. Um, it, it did a lot before it died. It got me 3640 and brought down every boss and all that. But yeah, it was a disappointing way to go. Um, yeah, I, I kind of tricked them into like me on this podcast. I've played all of maybe 10 hours of Path of Exile in the last month. Um, I played Oof. a lot of PoE in the first three weeks, and then I moved to a new place, did a bunch of job interviews, and then just hadn't touched PoE at all. Um, but I figured I should probably play some before coming on podcast. So yeah, I did an SF restart. I'm now doing an Ice Trapper, which is uh, fun because I freeze things. That sounds cool. Yeah. I always wanted to play Ice Trap. <laughs> yeah. You don't believe me, Balor? Ah, no, just so off-brand for Taki to pick a Trapper for his restart. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah. one of those people like he only ever plays course to carry, and then I'll play traps. He only ever plays traps. Like that's two builds. That's Dude, those are the rip. only two. <laughs> that's a lot. No, because there's lightning trap, fire trap, explosive <laughs> trap, flamethrower trap. I it's... I play I play toxic rain. Um, yep. then course yep, that that's six builds. 
six belts. <laughs> that's that's a plural. Right we there. haven't even we haven't even gotten into ignite. Like we're we're maybe double digits. <laughs> Fireball ignite. Yep. Flame wall. Don't play flame. Flame wall's OP, by the way. Yeah, flame wall's really good. Um, are there are, are there two more ignite skills? Armageddon brand. Yep. Uh, discharge, right? Haven't played that. There you go. Discharge. Ten, ten builds. There you go. Oh. Dude, Armageddon brand is so good. I just recently played that because I decided to go DD Necro in the Gauntlet because it's mm. one of the two strongest builds that people considered going for the Gauntlet. And since I had played Bleed EQ Gladiator the last couple runs, I decided I'll go with DD Necro. And I've never played Armageddon brand cremation as a combo for leveling before. And it's so good. I knew cremation is great for single target, but the armor brand is so much fun, even on a three link. It's just pop it here, pop it there. Everything dies behind you. Yeah, one of the um, uh, Pac is one of the players that I like to watch whenever Gauntlets are on because he usually has a pretty spicy strategy. I think this time he ended up going for Champion Detonate Dead. Um, and one of the leveling tips that I picked up from watching his stream, not on the Champion variant, but when leveling the Armor Brand Cremation style for uh, you know a Templar or a Witch or something, he'll get double flat cold wands, throw Ice Bite and Ellie Prolif into the links in the Armor Brand. And it works as another sort of defensive layer. It actually does scale well enough off the flat to freeze everything, even on just a three or four link. That's cool. That's neat. Yep. I like that. I usually do that what? on Stormblast Mine Opus Storms, that instead of going for the lightning damage uh, wand craft, I'll go for the flat cold. So I can have Prolif on the Opus Storms and just put it down and everything's frozen. But I didn't think about that on the armor brand. I didn't think it was going to be enough. Do you think it's going to be? It would be enough in Gauntlet with a forty percent more yeah. monster life. No, I've I've done it in Gauntlet. That's, that's oh yeah, you were talking about this in Gauntlet. This Gauntlet I didn't um, play because I've had some awful performance and connection problems, and I just I don't know. I didn't want to compete through that. But the one before it, I did, and that's how I leveled. Oh yeah, I've been I've been following your uh, your Twitter posts. You had a lot of disheartening uh, deaths this league. Yes, probably uh, the worst league I've ever heard of for for I a have... single player. I have died to a game crash or a disconnect this league at level 94, 95, 97, and 99. If it makes you feel any better, Octavian, I've had seven disconnect deaths this league, but I play softcore, so it's fine. Uh. (laughs) I I did not count mine, but it's been mildly frustrating. Not too bad. But I I just get to keep playing the character, so it's fine. <laughs> yeah, I really miss hardcore, but stuff like that has uh, keeps putting me off. I I played it. I think it was last year. I played hardcore for a few leagues in a row, but yeah, just one of those can be enough to trigger you to make you go back to softcore. It is a shame. Yeah, I don't think I'll go back to hardcore. Pretty pretty much ever. If there was an offline client, since I predominantly play SSF, I'd play hardcore. But with online, I wouldn't. What, That'd uh, be fair. Out of curiosity, what keeps you from hardcore? Uh, honestly, almost everything I make, I end up having to do guides on. And if I die in hardcore before the character's finished, I have to remake the same thing to finish it. Mm. Because I'm insistent on knowing a build like top to bottom, inside and out, every option that I could give people, everything. To, yeah, yeah. to really feel like I can be like, I now know this enough to say this is the guide and that this is the best one you should do. Otherwise, I don't bother making one. But if I don't do it in softcore and I make one screw up at some point two weeks in, 
I got to rebuild the whole character or don't make any guides on it at all. Yeah, that's understandable. And I just don't, that is just not worth, it's just not worth the time. I, I just want to be in the softcore where I can test everything. That was actually my original motivation for swapping to softcore in Delve, I think it was. Um, it was. There's nothing more frustrating, especially back then, because progression was slower. Where you're like, oh, I'm really excited to make a video on this, then you die, and it's like, <laughs> and you're like, mm, I wasn't done. I don't know enough yet, quite, yeah. to do the video. Yeah. Damn it! <laughs> that, I run into that a lot personally, and I guess that's one of the things that frustrates my viewers because I just go again on the same bill. I think I played my league starter this league like four times because of all those crashes and stuff, and it was like <laughs> two and a half or three weeks into the league before I played a new build. So yeah, I can I can understand that frustration. Yeah. Sure. You'd probably also frustrate them if you weren't delivering a guide, though. Yeah, yeah. depends on the build. I think Octavian viewers are just happy whenever they get like a YouTube video because it's such a rare oh. occurrence. Although you've been pretty good at that recently. <laughs> yeah, I mean, not super regular, but I've been putting one out every like week or two. Which is good. Like you would be like five leagues, maybe one video, and everybody like, oh, Polky's doing it, and then it's like, oh, never mind, he's not doing it anymore. But you do write uh, guides for Poe Vault, right? Mm -hmm. That's that's something you did. Those guides are well written. Probably take more than the average YouTube video to make. Yes, I, I do also get paid more than YouTube ad revenue money for that. Um, oh, yeah, it makes sense. To be completely upfront. So it it is easier to find the motivation when you know the reward is more than the like six cents that you get from YouTube ad revenue. And the reward is more tangible. There's indirect reward through getting new people into your stream via YouTube. Mm. But yeah. Oh, actually, I just realized like you're not getting screwed by YouTube because everyone outside of America is now getting like double taxed on YouTube revenue, but you don't have that because you're in America. Yay! Double tax. I'll take double tax on my uh, YouTube revenue if it means I get to live somewhere else. <laughs> that's yeah, that's a good shout. <laughs> yeah, I, would, would, uh, I would go for I, that. Yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> uh, you you are right. You're right. I mean, and also I that is the benefit of only making like three pounds on YouTube is like with the double tax, you can still just about afford a chocolate bar, just about. I feel like I barely YouTube, and it makes as much or more than Twitch does. Rates are really different depending on um, your location, depending on you your know audience. how suitable your content is for advertisements. Yeah, how how many people want to advertise to the kind of audience that your your videos often bring in. So it's it's actually extremely variable from person to person. Hmm. But that that's not. Harvest. Sorry, I got us off track. <laughs> well, I made I made a pretty decent amount of money off the video that gave me all of the fucking hate in the world. I, I that's actually, the can, best can we talk ever. about that before we go right? into Harvest? Um, my <laughs> biggest issue with any like controversy, and we're part of the problem because we're talking about it now, um, mm -hmm. is how people are incentivized to like. I'm going to put my flag down and, and make a bunch of videos and then make the apology video to my previous video and it's I, I, it's so exhausting and what's been particularly frustrating with the harvest thing is i've had a few people 
like in DMs, talk to me about it. Um, and there'll be other content creators and they'll be like, oh, what do you think? And I'm like, to be honest, I don't really care that much either way. And they're like, oh, I don't either. But meanwhile, you go on their YouTube channel and they've made like 20 videos. Like, this is the biggest, the POE is dying. And it's like, bro, like, do you have to do that? It's like, I don't know, I can't stand that stuff. It's just so disingenuous. I mean, it's it's one thing to legitimately hold those kind of opinions. I don't necessarily yeah, no, agree with them, well, but I I don't think the point that we want to get across is that you can't feel strongly on this topic. It's just that feeling strongly on it for views and money is a little shitty. Yeah, no, exactly. exactly. I always think that about anything, though. Yeah, that's fair. Which is probably why I'm still broke, but... <laughs> yeah. I'm much happier about it, so... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Broke and tappy. What was the nope. video that uh, got you a ton of hate, though? Oh, oh! I've had six people tell me to unalive myself because of the harvest video I put out. Did you see my harvest video, Bala? I saw it, but after the reaction I got, I didn't watch anyone else's harvest videos. I haven't watched a single one. You, you might have enjoyed mine. So because I was so exhausted with the whole thing, the way I decided I would talk about harvest is I loaded up everyone else's Harvest video and played it at 40% volume and spoke over it. Um, <laughs> and you might be surprised, but the YouTube didn't, they didn't appreciate that. A lot of people didn't get the joke. A lot of people like, Taki, um, I don't know if you know this, but your audio is slightly scuffed when there's like a million voices in the background. Is <laughs> if I didn't know. Um, and it's like, The whole you know, joke was that you were like, just adding noise to a massive well, it's, crowd. It's of the fact that it's just noise. Like it is just constant yeah. noise. And I, I even opened the video saying, "You don't actually care what my point, my view is on harvest because everyone's already decided what they think about it, and they just want people to either agree with them so they can be like, I'm correct because X person agrees, yeah. or be like, Oh, you're an idiot because you disagree with me." Um, yeah. And the other thing which was funny about that is, um, I was awake when the the harvest manifesto went live. And I was like, oh, I'll, I'll deal with that tomorrow. I can't really be bothered to make a video about it right now. And then I woke up and I thought, I'll skim Reddit. And there were like three different Reddit threads talking about my point of view on the Harvest Manifesto. Like, just like they weren't the whole thread, but they were like in the comment chains. Yeah. And it's like, oh, that's cool. I don't need to make a video now because I can just read my opinion on this thing I haven't spoken about. <laughs> um, so that's, that's neat, you know. <laughs> So, yeah. so, so you know what you think about it before you make yeah, a video yeah, about yeah, it. Yeah. That, that's that's, that's really handy. Uh, yeah, no, it's, you, it's really... you, you need to like just on your actual Reddit account that has your name, just like ask for like a link to the to where to where you spoke about it. No, I, yeah, it's, I don't know. It's the whole thing. But, uh, yeah. uh, really seems to be a thing these days to to think in strong absolutes when you're disagreeing with people or agreeing with people it's what you just said either you're cool because I, you agree with me or i disagree and then you're an idiot there's no nuances anymore no what is also quite funny about it is when you get people who normally don't like your content and if like if you make a video and they agree with you like taki normally i think you're an absolute dickhead for whatever reason, I, I seem to like you now. And it's like, no, it's because I agreed with you in this one video, dude. Like, that's why you liked this. Uh, yeah. Yeah. This validated your opinion. So yeah, now yeah. you're happy about it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, All right. So should we validate some people in chat? <laughs> oh, uh, I'm not going to be validating anyone. Everybody hates me. 
I think we all kind of agree though. Like it's it's one I think hundred percent understand the people who um okay, so just to preface this, I only play SSF in private leagues. Um they could remove harvest, they could remove fossils, they could remove essences, and I can still play the game. Um I'm mm-hmm. fortunate that I've played the game enough that I'm not dependent on it. Um and I know that a lot of people who don't have much crafting experience before harvest or had craft experience, but they just never engaged with it. Um, it was great for opening up the game for a lot of people. Um, but they could remove harvest and it wouldn't affect me either way. That being said, generally, I think basically everyone agrees from the content creator point of view um, that it is the right thing for the game. Even if they don't personally agree with the changes, they can understand why they did the changes. Hmm. I, I might surprise people by saying I actually personally don't want the changes to happen because the oh. amount of power I personally got out of Harvest was disgusting and I could make some very disgusting things but I want it taken out overall because I, I absolutely don't think that power should have existed and there's this huge thing the reason I want it taken out is, bec- is because it, it, it existing the way it does right this second has some really, really, really bad long-term effects on casual and time-limited players. Mm-hmm. They're going to get hard-screwed if it stayed this way. Whereas I'm not. I'm, I'm only going to be stronger and stronger the, m- the more time you give me with Harvest the way it is right now. My problem with that is upon having that opinion and wanting it taken out because I understand what's going to happen long-term if that stays in, it is those casual and time-limited players that now hate me and are like, That's, look at this GGG shill person and I'm like, uh, elitist top 1% out of touch mother... And I'm like, all of this hate is because I'm trying to make... I, I, I'm having opinions based on what I think is best for... Yeah. The majority of the players, the casual people, like it's not actually good for me personally that it goes away. Just to, um, <laughs> just to like dig into what you mean there a little more. Not that I just basically playing the devil's advocate. What do you mean by the longer term repercussions? Um, so because it's the single largest power creep that's ever happened is yeah, harvest. Um, yeah. and a result of that means that the entire game got very, very significantly easier really early. So all, all balance is done at this point around softcore trade. Like, we know that. Um, so small private leagues, solo self-found is just like a hard mode that doesn't matter, doesn't get balanced around for, for the sake of balancing things. So the, the trade, the way it works now is everyone at a baseline, even with limited playtime and everything got about four or five times as strong uh players like me that were abusing it got about 35 to 45 times as strong just like that and that means we then if that stays that way have to balance the game around this new amount of power which at some point in the near future would end up being something along the lines of 10,000 percent increased health on white mobs and and 8,000 more on magic mobs and then quadruple the health on uniques and stuff like that. And just, just to bring it up to that level, but that then puts this sort of barrier on being able to do it 
where if you don't involve yourself in Harvest Craft, you won't be strong enough to get anything done. And that is incredibly bad for new players and more casual players. And that's the long-term effect. It has to be. There's no way around that if you leave it this powerful. It also... Oh, go on. No, you go ahead. Um, It's also that whole thing of, for the longest time... I I remember talking about this like when I first started making content back around like Prophecy Breach for PoE on YouTube and stuff. And I was saying that I really wish that the direction PoE would go more in is limiting the top end, bringing the top end down, bringing the bottom up. Um, But what tends to always happen is a case of we'll just give new tools so the top end gets higher, but you have to have a certain amount of game or to be able to engage with those systems. Um, and the gulf for someone who understands how Harvest works and how to utilize it, and someone who's just like maybe rolling a free exalt on an item is crazy. Um, mm-hmm. And especially when you start having limited playtime, and also the fact that to really get the most out of Harvest, um, you need to have that big access of I'm going to use the Discord or I'm going to have people feeding me these crafts and yeah, that whole thing and then with Maven Orbs it gets really silly and it's like, yeah. GGG have actually been explicit on that topic before. I remember towards the beginning of Synthesis League we had um, there was I think it was on one of the other podcasts that um, Chris has been on in the past and uh, like not Bay Class, one of the other ones. And he was talking about how the changes with synthesis were meant to be a kind of power creep that was like a cherry on top rather rather than taking everything in the game and ratcheting it up by 10% in terms of crafting. They wanted to take current crafting and just put something else on top of that as in, you know, push the, the ceiling. So I've, that's actually like been the explicit goal of... GGG's controlled power creep in the past. So I, I feel mm. they they like that direction. You know, you could look at you want to go back in other few leagues, you could even look at double corruption as being a similar thing. Mm. Where it's this very top end oriented kind of power creep. I think the very difference between like any other system that's been added onto crafting, because we've had a lot of them since when we only had like chaos orbs and exalts mm-hmm. and whatever. We've had a lot of additions. Harvest is the only one that completely invalidates every other method. Yeah, Harvest, Harvest is kind of the opposite There just isn't a reason to fossil craft. There just isn't a reason to ever use an essence on anything. There well, just isn't... Well, I, I would actually disagree with that. I would say Harvest does invalidate everything, but also Harvest works with everything. So that's where you can get the really, like, OP, and also quite quirky, and I think that's the one good thing about Harvest. So, like, for example, if there's, like, a really cool essence mod you want, and there's a really cool fossil mm. thing, you can't use those together. So you either fossil, essence, use, like, alterations, whatever. But with Harvest, you can be like, oh, I'm going to guarantee this really good essence mod, and then use Harvest to, like, force the one influence affix or whatever. Um, and that is the one thing that I do like about Harvest, but the problem that you have with Harvest, and it's, it's a big reason why I stopped playing this league so early, is every item gets completed through Harvest. And this isn't even about, like, talking about the triple mirror stuff. Like, I've always been someone who... um, I don't need to make that good gear to be able to clear the content. Um, So Mm -hmm. I'll be like, okay, what is one really cool, like, essence thing I want? I'll go for that, like, dodge roll. And then I can force the one or two good influence mods I need easily with Harvest. So it's like, um, at the start of the league, I started playing Corsica, like, week two. 
And in like three days, um, I was the highest course to carry uh, for SSF and DPS, um, which was kind of fun for a little bit. Um, and you laughed, but there's a lot, like there was like 5% of like all of software SSF was playing course. So it was like, there were quite a few people going for it. Um, and that was literally just a case of, here is a base, which is I level 86, Essence, Harvest, done. And like, if your goal is just to make that like good enough gear, and to be fair, good enough gear is still like tier one life, two really good influence mods, and then some other fluff. Um, like, like people kind of look at good enough gear, like, oh, why would you ever want that? But like, you can do everything in the game with it. It's like an like pre harvest, mm -hmm. you'd look at that item, and be like, dude, that's really sick, nice. Um, but yeah, it's like everything just became a case of. Well, if I'm going to be doing Delve, Delve doesn't interact with Atlas, so I'm not getting Harvest. So I don't really want to do Delve. Why would I do Heist? Because Heist doesn't give me Harvest. Like, everything just like mm -hmm. just Harvest or nothing. And that I think would have been incredibly negative if that was a long-term play pattern that persisted for multiple leagues. Yep. Yeah, I, no, I, I feel even like like we're not losing Harvest. That's yeah, something that no, I feel gets gets so glossed over yeah. in a few conversations here and there. You know, where since the since the discussion is so polarized and there's people who are shouting such strong opinions one way or the other, it can often feel like Harvest is just gone next week. But that's not going to be the case at all. Um, and I worry that we're still going to have this issue. It's just going to be moved. So yeah. like some of the crafting, maybe not every crafting project, but a lot of crafting projects are still going to involve harvesting a base item to a certain mm -hmm. point and then maybe adding influence with an exalt orb and then maybe augging influence and trying to get what you need that way or you know adding influence with an exalt orb so you get a base item to three prefixes that you need and there's like a decent you know suffix that you're looking for that's influenced you slam you don't manage to hit it all right you keep prefix reroll suffix until you hit it that sort of thing like harvest is still going to be one of the best means for continuing to work with an item that is in a partially completed state actually it's pretty much the only means of doing that that isn't going to chew through your exalts um you know meta crafting and all that so it's still going to be how you finish the majority of items yeah and i don't know <laughs> i'm, I'm I'm still not really looking forward to that, but at the very least, it does mean that a lot of other crafting mechanisms are going to be a lot more relevant to begin with. So that's yeah. me. There's also a bunch of ways now, the more I look into it, where you'll be using a bunch of different things, like fossils into an item to get something, and then crafting metamods on it, and then using harvest, mm -hmm. and then slamming it with like an influenced exalt to get the kind of thing you want like that's actually going to exist whereas before eh, just yeah. harvest a lot if i can there's also like one of the biggest things i have it's like even if you really like harvest from a crafting point of view and i can understand why some people really like it the i don't i just don't think the gameplay is fun i think that's been like the biggest stickler for me is and a few people have mentioned this like in the chat now and on previous episodes and stuff that was, what I think, one of the things which should know me the most is that the best way for me to continue progressing my character was to spam maps to force proc harvest, but then proccing harvest mm. then completely kills my flow of mapping because I'm now like I'm now in this random area for the next five to ten minutes, and then oh. it's it's like so disjointing. 
And that is the good thing about like stockpiling essences or fossils or alterations or whatever. Is you can be like, I'm going to stockpile a thousand of these, and then I'll just spend a day when I want to doing that when I have downtime. Can I take a moment here? Because you talked about how Harvest interrupts your flow of mapping. And people were talking about that for all this link. I think Ziggy brought it up at one point. Mm -hmm. Where they were saying that like uh, you have to stop and you have to do like these 70 different crafts if you want to make use of everything out of the garden. And GGG are trying to address that in the changes. And I really dislike the way they're trying to address that. So what they're doing yeah. is they're making it so you get this bundle of seeds. You know, Say you have 10 life seeds, 5 chaos seeds, and a bunch of other crap. You see 5 chaos seeds... And you're not going to get five chaos crafts. You're going to get somewhere from like zero to five chaos crafts. We don't know the odds yet. And that, I feel like, is going to lead to a situation where someone desperately needs a chaos og to, to get the next step of their item done so they can keep on working on it. And they come across a garden that has three chaos seeds, and they're like, oh, hell yeah, I got a chance at a chaos og. And then nothing even remotely yeah. chaos related shows up. That's going to feel terrible. I, yeah. I, it, it does accomplish the goal of cutting down the total number of crafts in your harvest so you're not locked in there for as long, but there's so many better ways to accomplish it. What if you had it so when you find a harvest, three little menus pop up with three different buckets of seeds, and you pick one of them, and those are the ones that you get, and you get all of those seeds. And now it's generating a large number of seeds, so you still have a large number of potential options, but you're choosing what you want, and you're not getting fucked out of what you might have actually been aiming for. So you yeah. don't get a bloated garden with millions of crafts you don't want, but you also don't get the situation where you find a seed that you need and it doesn't give you anything. Alternatively, you could just not have a goddamn limit on the bench of 10, and then you could keep whatever you wanted and then craft when you want, which is exactly what we do with fossils, essences, alterations, chaos, yeah, everything else. The, the limit should not be global. The limit should be, uh, there should be categories. I don't think that all the crafts should compete with each other for slots on the crafting station. Because there there's so many different crafts. Like but, I want to be able to keep re-roll fizz re until I've this. got a hundred re-roll fizzes. And then try and work on a weapon or something. My um biggest issue with Harvest, which I don't hear many people talk about, is I actually I feel like Harvest fails at introducing new players to crafting. Because the original intent of Harvest was, and Chris spoke about this when he was being interviewed by Ziggy in like the lead up to the league. So it's like, oh, it's really cool. So what we'll do is, is we'll front load all the really powerful crafts. So like at level 20, you're quite likely to get like a bunch of exalt crafts and we'll taper them off, make them rarer, the higher into content you get to keep it balanced. And they had this mm -hmm. whole thing of like, they had the ice level ranges and all this other stuff. So it was like, okay, cool. We want players to use exalts, want people to use annuls. Um, you can make some really fun leveling gear. Great. Um, so like, okay, so that was the intention of this entire system. And then we made it map only. Um, mm, and yeah. now it's like, wait, so it, it completely kills the point of it. It doesn't introduce people into it. Um, Harvest really should have been added in like Vol side areas. And it's like you encounter it while leveling. I don't think it should have gone core, but like if it was going to go core, it should be something that you encounter early because it's a an amazing tool to introduce people into systems, but then just gating it into maps. And then also the fact that to really get the most out of it, you then need to have all this Atlas set up. You need to understand how powerful Harvest is to in, then know to invest. Like You need to have all of this knowledge to get the garden working correctly for you to do the crafting 
and people who say, oh, this is so good for casuals. It's like, most people who say that it's good for casuals, you're not a casual. Because it's like, I've played <laughs> this game for like, oh, I'm a casual. I've played this game for seven years and I've got all of this knowledge. Like, no, that's not a casual. You're just someone with limited yeah. playtime. Um, my opinion of but a casual is someone who's casual, like, right? Yeah, I think I'm, I think I'm very casual from a people. But like, no, when I say like a casual, um, really it's like someone who's maybe started playing the league before you know, and they don't really go on YouTube, they don't really go on Reddit, like, those are the kinds of players who you should really be trying to introduce into the new systems, and also, as you you say, Bella, it's, that's when you get the massive gulfs of these people who've, like, who've just kind of come into the game, versus someone like Bella, who's, like, abusing everything they can in trade league, you know. Um, Damn right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but can I just really quickly say, that's a good point, but what you said with, you I want to branch off of what you said with it shouldn't have gone core to begin with. Because I totally agree it did a very good job when it was a league to get people into those systems, to introduce people to the mod categories and the different mod pools that you can have on different item bases. And I would have been completely fine with it just going away and never coming back. Because it didn't feel as bad in Heist when it wasn't there. But then, I don't know why, I think like to some degree, GGG just really wanted to do a big crowd-pleasing expansion and get a, a huge player spike again. And for some reason, they committed to bringing it back by saying early on, oh, it's going to make a return in 3.13. And then despite the fact that, I mean, that's evident from the manifesto, they didn't just learn that in this league that there was problems with Harvest that needed to be resolved, but they, they probably knew that going in. And I, I, I just think it shouldn't have gone core unaltered basically unaltered without the garden mechanic it yeah. gave this kind of signal to the player base where, where the the player base thinks ggg says well it looks a little bit strong right now but it's going to be okay we promise it's going to be okay we can bring it back like that and that that then they just directly go back on it and take it away from players i can see why people would be a little bit upset if if that's the biggest power they ever had in path of exile yeah and one of the examples that Chris has pointed to into the past, and uh, Turkey's brought it up a number of times and, uh, and such, is that GGG, it used to be a much bigger discussion. It's kind of fallen to the back of the community now, but GGG have always wanted to try and slow down the game a little bit. And in the past, they've, they've said that they don't like the power of mobility skills, you know, where like things like flame dash and shield charge and all that were. But they have this cautionary tale of, was it a DC ARPG or a Marvel? Marvel Harris. Marvel, yeah. 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 Um, where they in one or two patches basically just gutted every single mobility ability all at once and the player base evaporated because <laughs> you just you can't do that you can't give people this this really powerful toy this delicious ice cream and then just yoink it all away from them all at once if harvest was thrown into the game in in unadulterated state to you know, appease players after Heist, which was a bit of a fiasco of a league, that was basically, at that point, you have to make the decision, either Harvest just stays in the game in that state, or you're just delaying the next fiasco. Because, you know, when you when you then go to edit it and nerf it down to the place where you wanted it nerfed down, people are going to get more angry. This is all pretty easy to see with hindsight, obviously. But... I mean, even without hindsight, like, I don't know... I I was very much part of the anti-harvest crowd early on. Um and I remember 
I, I heard about it going core before it was announced, and I'm like, no, this is a terrible mistake. And they're like, no, it's fine, it's fine. It's like, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't know. I think that there's this could just be my perception, but this isn't any like inside information or anything. But I do feel like there's a kind of a disconnect between what GGG says they want from the game, what they say they want PW2 to be, and then what they put out. Because for the longest time, like even before we knew anything about PV2, before we had 10 acts or anything, you know, for the longest time, whenever Chris was asked about stuff, people were like, yeah, I do kind of miss that like old school 10 minutes to kill a crab. And that's kind of what PV was for a lot of people. And a lot of people started playing the game because mm -hmm. of that. A lot of people stopped playing the game because of that as well. And a lot of people only started playing the game once it started getting a lot faster. Um, but there is a lot of old school players who kind of miss that slower approach. And the devs seem to miss that slow approach. So then when we had uh, XRCon and we, we played the demo, the demo was a lot harder, it was a lot slower, and they'd actually, they purposely like over-tuned it so that it would be really punishing. And the devs are like, yeah, this is really what we kind of want, but it obviously won't be that punishing when it actually goes live. It's just fun to tune it up this way. But we do want to slow the game down a bit and bring it back to its roots. It's like, okay. So people keep saying, oh, between now and you know, PV2, they're going to slowly do all these little changes. Um, and the game does keep getting increasingly harder because, like, we get stuff like Delirium. It adds this whole, like, extra level of difficulty. But then you get Harvest, and it's like, well, you're not... It doesn't feel like they're you're working towards that goal. It kind of feels like we're like, oh, new, exciting spectacle creep. The spectacle creep is exciting, and it gets new players in. But it just seems to be pushing us further and further away from this goal which i don't know if that even is the goal or yeah. i don't know it seems to yeah, no i mean I, I just remember the the bu extreme buffs to monster health that they did in uh, 3.9 metamorph that have completely been out out um power crept that makes any sense like, yeah it's just, it, yeah and the worst thing about that is also the just quickly the imbalance where some things just were forgotten to be changed like some smaller bosses in between and the mini bosses in the core map for example, are a pushover. They're white monsters. And it's been like that for more than a year. That can't be the design goal. The one thing that confuses me the most is how did this mistake of Harvest in its current form actually happen? I'm... Because that... Cause here's the how thing. Did before Harvest... Harvest well, Go before ahead. Harvest League actually came out, mm, okay. Chris was straight up saying... This will never go This for. is going to break the game. Yeah. We know this is going to break the game, and we're doing it anyway just to see what you guys do with broken, overpowered shit, essentially. And so they already knew before Harvest even started, before we even got it the very first time, they knew it was absolutely busted OP. What happened in the King meetings... <laughs> Yeah, during the, between knowing it was broken and then seeing all the bullshit we did, somebody made the decision to leave it the same before bringing it back core. What? It, how? Uh, the perception, I think, um, this is pure speculation, is that Heist was very poorly received. Um, you know, whether you like Heist or not, what, however you mm -hmm. feel on the mechanic itself, it's in fact it was very poorly received, and. I think there was something of a knee-jerk reaction to give people what they want after heist. And the perception as well was that harvest is what people want. 
because there's a lot of people loudly asking for harvest um, at the end yep. of harvest to go core. So I think it was put into the core game as a direct result of that. Um, and to some degree, at least, I mean, maybe that wasn't a hundred percent of the reasoning, but yeah, I, I think that was a pretty influencing factor. It's, mm -hmm. it, but in, in, in response to what you said about, you know, Chris mentioning that they knew it was broken going in, I just couldn't shake the image from my mind of somebody like cooking up a meal and like pranking whoever they're feeding it to by putting tons of spicy stuff in and going like, ah, they're, they're going to hate this. I'm going to break it on purpose. And the person eats it and just loves it. And now what do you do? You, you just put like a bucket of hot peppers into everything you make. What the fuck do you do at that point? <laughs> you don't expect them to actually want it. It was supposed to be broken. Yeah, I don't know. Think... It's oh, yeah, also, um, sorry, it's the fact that it is worth um, considering and talk about, you know, the delays that, and everything that's happened with uh, COVID. And then, you know, they knew that Ritual was going to be like a smaller scope league as well because they're putting all this work into Echoes. So I think there's, it's a lot easier. Uh, I think it's a lot, like, it, I think it's quite easy from our point of view, not having access to any of the metrics having our points of view validated, being like, well, it was obvious they should have done blank, and why did they do this? And, but meanwhile, it, you know, in, from their point of view, it's like, well, we have the numbers, and it's a case of if Harvest had, if Harvest had gone core the way it did, but we then didn't have Echoes, and we didn't have the Discord, would it have been that bad? Because it, it wasn't just a case of like, oh, we're going to add the harvest in, but it's we're going to add the harvest in, but then give you all of these really insane ways to target harvest. And they probably didn't intend for that, plus the Zana interaction and all this. And like, that's the issue then when you have these really big teams. And when you have such a big team with hundreds of employees and the communication isn't that great, half of them are working on PV2, half of them working on this, half of them working on the next league. It's a lot easier for these interactions to slip through. Like that's how we get the whole like cost jewel aura stacking thing. Is you've got the mm -hmm. one guy who's like, I'm doing this, that guy's doing that. And you're like, yeah, that's gonna be strong, but it's not gonna be that strong. And then in comes this side change which amplifies that, and you're like, oh, this is broken now. That's so, actually yeah. a really good point because harvest isn't that broken just taken by itself. Like for me as an SSF player, it wouldn't make much of a difference if it went away because I don't see it all that often. But for for softcore trade, it's it's huge when you have all the endgame stuff unlocked in the center of the atlas, and you got the specialized uh, zones with the harvest nodes, and then you got the Discord where you can trade the crafts. The, the, it becomes from a nice little crafting mechanic that gives you a sort of deterministic path to finish one or two good items per league. It becomes a straight up item editor that breaks the game. Yeah, I imagine there's some degree of I imagine there's like this mix of admiration for how quickly the community can put together tools for things mm. for the game and also a bit of frustration on the part of the devs for that. It's like, you know, maybe back in the day, people would just like trade across the forum and stuff. But now if they put anything in the game, there's a large enough player base and enough skilled community, dedicated community members in that player base that if they put something in the game, it will be solved and it will be exploited if it can be exploited within like a week. You know, you'll have streamlined Discord servers pop up. You'll have third-party tools. You'll have things that just completely solve every little aspect of every crafting system in the game pop up within, you know, a week or two. 
Betrayal's actually a pretty good um, example of that. I think it, I th- you were one of the first people I remember to talk about it when Betrayal first came out, Octavium. But there was the whole thing of like the original intent of that was make everyone trusted, and then this is the whole thing. And I remember people going like, well, what if we didn't make them trust? What if we made them all hate each other? Wouldn't that be way stronger? Because then we can do this, that, and the other. And then <laughs> this super OP dominant strat came out, which a lot of people still don't either don't know or can't be bothered setting it up because it's such a pain to set it up. But once you have yeah. that established, it just completely breaks the whole system in terms of like reward. Um, you make a few X every map. Yeah. Or like every every few maps, you make like three or four X just from having it set up. Yeah. Still yeah. takes I, me like a week and a half to set up though with like 14, 15 hour days of yeah. streamer time. It's still like a week, a week and a half to set up and then it's just free money forever. <laughs> but if you I, I feel Katarina, you might get a few scarabs. <laughs> mm. Oh, oh! There's, Fucking there's also no. the fact that uh, I, I don't think enough people talk about it. That Poe really is like eight different games. Um, not just in the fact of there are all this, there's all this different side content you could do. You could be someone who's like, oh, I'm just gonna delve, or I'm gonna just do this, or I'm gonna just do that. But there's such a big difference between someone who plays softcore trade and fully utilizes softcore trade, like the absolute like min max all of your APIs. Someone who's just like, oh, I maybe buy unique if I need it. People who play SSF and there's the whole hardcore thing. Like the and then there's the time scale of like how much do you actually play? Like there's such a massive gulf in what can be achieved. Um and I think that and I know content creators got this, but I think also like Reddit, especially is guilty of this. Like the the difference between the average Reddit user and what they do in PUE to the actual average path of exile player who doesn't engage in this tiny little community because the PUE reddit isn't actually that big it's like the same like 500 power posters it's like if you ever upload mm-hmm. a thing it's to the same people every single time um the the game is a lot bigger than we give it credit and the like a gulf between players is massive damn it i had something to say and i've lost it now Oh, sorry, dude. Okay, let me interject. Do you think the manifesto did a good job of conveying the uh, the <laughs> intent behind the changes, and uh, the, the, did it do a good job at calming the va- waves before they even uh, are stirred up, or think that maybe that the way that the manifesto was written and how receptive for memes nowadays the community has become? Uh, <laughs> uh, Catmaster, do you think that isn't a leading question? <laughs> like, come on, dude. Like, what? <laughs> Hi, I'm going to ask you this blatantly. Like, that's like, hi, um, Mr. President, how do you feel about drone strikes killing civilians? It's like, hmm, let me answer this one. <laughs> um, I think they actually did a decent job of conveying their intent. I don't think it was that good of a manifesto, but it was clear that, like, we're changing this because we think it's too strong. And that was obvious, right? I think they, they did a good job portraying that. Um, but no, I, I think it could have been worded better. Confused. <laughs> um, although there is the whole thing, and I've, I've talked about this before. A lot of what frustrates me with how just people react to stuff on the internet is there's a lot of just taking stuff at bad faith, um, like specifically with like the exalted line. Um, it's very easy to meme that like close your eyes and exalt moment. 
but that is actually a moment in Path of Exile, and it could even be a moment with Harvest. It's like, oh, am I gonna get it? All oh, fingers, like, like that is something that Peewee is built around. But like, even with Harvest Crafting, like, am I going to hit it on this, like, fizz and uh, exalt, or do I need to fizz and null it twenty times? Like, people are super disingenuous. Like, oh, why would you have to do that? So it was, you could, they could have said like Regal. Like, did I hit the regal? Did I get this thing? Like, did the item... Like, so much of PUE is trying to get that thing, right? Um, so it's clear to tell their intent behind that sentence. Um, but instead of being like, oh, I can see what they're coming from, they'll be like, no, I haven't exalted an item in 10 years. What an idiot. Do they even play their game? Um, and there's just a lot of bad faith arguments. So I think right. it was something that someone should have read that and been like, they're going to mean the hell out of this. We should change the wording but at the same time it's very clear to read that and understand the intent of that sentence i, I agree with that i just i just think it felt a little bit disconnected particularly on the exalt slam part because i think the big problem with harvest going away or being nerfed for people is that the the average player that complains the average casual uh meme casual um is not necessarily going to miss the power that Harvest brought that much if they only knew about the, the whole crafting. The, the thing what's good about Harvest for the newer player is that it lays out a path for you to a good item because it kind of breaks down everything into little steps when you have like an abstract goal of a good item. Whereas if you try to accomplish that with meta crafting through the bench and through fossils and stuff, you'd have to do more abstract thinking and breaking down that goal into smaller bite-sized packages that you can accomplish and uh, then giving people who are sad about that going away the alternative of oh you can close your eyes and slam exalts instead of laying out this this crafting ecosystem of the different things that you can do in path of exile because we have good systems that i just feel like that, that could have calmed a lot of waves i didn't mean to be a uh, I didn't mean to bait you into saying that manifesto was shit, but uh, uh, I, that's kind of what with, I wanted to say. I agree with what you said just there. However, and this might be like the dumbest take in the world, I think the main reason people are upset about Harvest actually has nothing to do with crafting. So what you said, the thing which is good about Harvest is Harvest is very good for setting small goals. And to play Path of Exile for a long time, you need to be setting small goals. And it's very easy to be like, oh, I've killed the boss now. I guess I'll just quit. Path of Exile can be quite difficult to have clear, steady progression because a lot of people consider it a case of, okay, I play, I die, I've lost the XP I spent the whole day going for, I haven't gained any progression there. Oh, it's just a random exalt, everything's just pure RNG. Whereas Harvest did give a very clear progression path. Um, if Harvest was pulled out, but then a very clear, very linear, bite-sized progression path was put in, it would solve that problem because you would then have a reason to play every single day um, very easily, because it can be quite difficult to set your goals. Like, for some people, it'll be a case of, oh, mm. I'll go for my 36 challenges. A lot of people don't care about challenges. Or like, oh, I'll go for level 100, or I'll go for this, or go for that. Um, but just having a reason to log in every day. Like, I didn't really like Paragon from a Diablo point of view, but Paragon was very good for a fact of you play for a day, you log off, and your character is stronger than when you started. I think... GGG is aware of that to some degree. Uh, it's not within the crafting systems or character progression, but they have been trying to 
add meaningful bite-sized bits of progression or smaller goals to the atlas you know like um, 10-way maven fights or progression towards a conqueror that sort of thing i mean that sort of splitting up this vast amorphous end game that you previously had which was just you're in maps run maps now into you know you're in maps here do these 10 maps and then do those 10 maps and then do these 10 maps and then do those four maps and then you get to kill this guy and they seem to be aware that splitting it up into those more manageable bits of of um, content makes it easier for people to approach it but yeah i guess that's a little bit beside the point because it's not directly related to your gear or your character levels Yeah. Hmm. I just had an idea. It would be cool to have like an in-game system that tells you what the next step for your item creation progress is, similar to how in the Chinese client you can punch in the tree that you want to have for your end-game build, and it tells you on every level what your next point is. So you can kind of make in-game, you can make a plan for what you want to accomplish, and then it gives you single steps. But obviously, that's way too much work. Yeah, it would be really so, difficult as well, because that... A system like that, if you want it to actually function, it would have to be able to intelligently reason about which crafting methods are the best to accomplish your goal, yeah. as well as understand what your goal is. And at that point, I don't know, if you can make that, then I think you're going to make a lot more money and have a lot broader applications than just putting it in a video game. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Also, to, oh, dude, sorry, go on, but if you want to say something. Uh, I just, I have a... a... <laughs> kind of related question that I can't figure out how to answer on my own. That people, we keep talking about, and, and for like years, we collectively talk about the casual player's experience, which just isn't defined at all. Like, what does that even mean? Yeah. Like, like, who do we even count when you're saying, like, the average player? Because, like, well, like half of people, more, way more than half of people never even make it to maps. But I mean, the average player who would look at Steam didn't even like beat yeah. Hitlock. You know, it's, it's, right. it's, it's such so a disadvantage. For a balanced yeah. relation, that's an irrelevant. Your average player is irrelevant. So recently, I've been saying that when I talk about an average player, I mean that you eventually make it to tier 14 and 15 and 16 maps. I don't care how long. But you, you'd get there at some point during the league. Mm-hmm. With the current system the way it is, I'm calling that the average player that matters for balance reasons and stuff. Like the, These yeah. are the people that are actually playing the game enough and getting far enough through it. Anyone below that who's just in yellow and white maps, I'm calling them new players. Because essentially, you're, you're a new player. If you, if you literally I, can't I, make it to the end game, then I, you're still I, new. I think it, it it is an interesting thing to just remind people that the whole like casual, casual, like just all of that stuff doesn't mean anything. But actually defining it is near impossible and just like a waste of an hour. But like I think it is very important <laughs> that people just remind themselves when they say like GGG hates X portion of the player base. Um it's like people call say that I'm part of the one percent, which makes me laugh my absolute arse off. Because it's like I will play maybe a month of a three-month league in SSF, and very, like, by a streamer, I'm incredibly casual, because I'll be, like, six hours a day for, like, three weeks. But that, compared to just a normal person who plays Path of Exile maybe a couple of hours a week, 
like it's, it's ridiculous right so that's why it's important to just keep in mind that like this is such a different game depending on who you are um but yeah you can't divine anything because like what what is it and there's also the fact of and you did this with your limited playtime thing you know you could play 20 hours of path xl a day badly or you could have a super efficient build and play two hours a day with a very clear goal and get way more done. Mm -hmm. You know, like some people will get to maps in an hour, someone else will get to maps in 15. Like, you know, it's a whole... Yeah. And is there any way to solve that? Because it's such a, like, solve that we can't really define those terms. They don't mean anything. It's all about the context of the particular discussion. You yeah. know, if you're talking about the balancing around content like 100% delirious T16s, then, you know, you define your terms based on what you're talking about there. And you talk about something like how the onboarding to the end game should be and what the experience in, like, T1 maps should be, then obviously you're going to be thinking about a different type of player. It, I don't really think you can make hard definitions, so it's it really just should be something that you need to come to grips with every time you want to actually have a discussion of of any sort of that, that matters at all about any particular part of the game. Mm. I don't know. Like it I hate not having defined terms. Have, this is nearby have, all over again. You can't buy. You can't. Yeah. <laughs> you can't have yeah. defined terms in this. I don't know. It's it's people. It's human beings. You can't have defined terms that lump them into buckets that easily. I mean, when we have the whole thing with Path of Exile of what's in nearby and my new time favorite for a while, <laughs> it's like we had recently. <laughs> no, nah, recently is dead for a while. <laughs> All right, cool. Let's go. Like, <laughs> like whatever, dude. So um, I think it was Mark that was in the comments of that uh, Reddit thread defending the for a while text on the buff. Um, so apparently the for a while pops up when you like hover over the buff while it's on your buff bar. It's the elemental agus thing that elementalist just recently got. And the reason why it does that is because the duration has some variance to it or something like that. Mm. And if they were to actually have the portions of the game code communicate so that it could show the exact duration, it would use up way, way, way more like processing power than is necessary. And they don't need to tell you how long it is if you're just hovering over it for a half a second in game. So they just have it say for a while. Like he also didn't he also say that the the exact duration is displayed elsewhere in the game? Like in your Yes, your if you go to your if you go to your character sheet and look at the actual ability there, it'll tell you the duration. Yeah. yeah. Um two backtracks a little bit to the manifesto thing. Um, and this is one thing that I, 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 it's funny, I planned that whole video, I, I was so excited about Cat Marshall, but I planned this whole video about like parasocial relationships and the relationships that players have with GGG as a studio and how that changes the way people react to stuff. And then um, Aslan made a video all about parasocial relationships. I'm like, oh, I can't make that now because people just think I was copying it. Um, but one thing which um, I think is very much worth considering is with this Harvest Manifesto, we have zero context for crafting in 3.14, 3.15 or onwards. We have no context of dropped loot. We know that they're not happy with the current state of crafting. We know they're not happy with the current state of loot dropping. There's almost definitely gonna be some changes, but we don't know what those changes are. And one thing that GG is very good at is being like, we're gonna destroy this thing that you really like, but we're actually gonna fix it like two leagues from now, but we're not gonna tell you until that league comes out. Um, hmm. 
the best example of that is you had the entire player base just bored beyond belief with the old axe system. Um, and they knew that it was like 10 axe, but they didn't want to tell people because it was like they decided it was a better marketing move to have that massive trailer moment. Um, but there was a solid year of people being like, GGG doesn't know what the hell they're doing. This is terrible. Why aren't they telling us what their plans are? And I, I think that, you know, maybe being so secretive maybe maybe isn't the best move because it's a lot easier to feel like you're being ignored um, when people don't tell you what they're planning to do, you know, so. Yeah, and with future leagues, I mean, we could very well, I personally think that the, the rework of the loot system needs to happen before mm. PoE2, like preferably mm. this year. I don't know what the, the date is for PoE2, but I heard you say before, Tarki, that, and I picked that up and agreed with it, that it can't be on a different date than Christmas. Like they have to do it as a Christmas release, PoE2, like just number wise. And then it's probably very, very tight to bring it out this year for Christmas. So no, PoE2. Why do people know? 2023 is <laughs> the soonest. The soonest. soonest. Yeah. yeah. People keep saying, well, it's coming up. No. Like, no. Um, the absolute best case scenario is so it's 2021 now at some point this year we will get more news on it maybe maybe we'll get like a limited beta for like a couple of acts i highly doubt it i would say 2022 beta yeah i don't think and this then year we'll get a beta. 2023 you maybe get it going live because it's also it's one of those things if they could easily do 2024 um Pee-wee, I don't know. The other thing, and this is uh, something which people, because people keep telling me that the Diablo 4 is coming out next month. Like, every month is, <laughs> oh, it's coming out soon. It's like, yeah. no, like, the game isn't even made. <laughs> um, we, we have no basis for Path of Exile. With BlizzCon, if, if Blizzard comes, comes out and they show you a WoW expansion, you know that's coming out next year. And then that comes out next year. Next BlizzCon, they show you the next update for the expansion. BlizzCon after that, they announce the next expansion. There's a formula to it. We kind of we understand what their schedule yeah. is. With XRCon and PUT, we have no idea. Um, there's also the whole thing of, you know, they wanted to do massive expansions for the studio. Then COVID happened, which completely screwed that. Then there's been a bunch of new game studios popping up in New Zealand, like stealing members of staff and whatever. So like you like ugh, then tech and who knows and there's always that one guy who's got this really good idea and people are like that's a sick idea we should add that to the game and that's like five more months of development and you know like <laughs> what if we did this and it's like wait hang on um, oh why did you say it now we have yeah, to yeah. do it um yeah. so i don't know it, yeah I, I, so I, yeah PoE2 is still out for a long time. Loot is in a terrible state right now, and they have already been testing the system with which loot gets re-rolled several times before it's presented to the player yeah. with Heist and with Ritual. So I, it's reasonable to assume that we'll get some changes to the loot system soon before PoE2? I think you could kill two birds with one stone here. And some of the Atlas passive nodes are a little underwhelming. And loot 2.0 is pretty darn neat. So why not make it so that uh, the Rogue Exile node, when you kill a Rogue Exile, the rares that it drops have a 10% chance to drop Identified and Lucky. And, you know, when you find, you, you go to the Heist node, and Uniques have a 10% chance to drop as a replica variant of themselves. 
that sort of shit. Like we have this tool now with the Atlas passive points where you can use it as a way of testing the waters to throw in some mechanics you might be experimenting with. Because you can, you know, you can throw them in, but only in this part of the atlas, and only if you're doing it this way with this mechanic. So even if it's busted, it's still got some limiters on its bustedness. I think I just really want the whole loot rework to happen. Oh yeah, eventually. Yeah, it's the impact that loot is having on performance is so ridiculously high. Um, the whole game, if they cull. 90% of the loot drops out of the game. Nobody notices, even people running basic, never sync semi strict filter with like what I would call everything showing, isn't everything showing. It's like it's like eight to ten percent of things showing. If they get rid of the 90% of loot we don't see, use, or want, everybody's performance would like triple or quadruple in quality. That's how much loot is screwing you. Mm. That needs to happen. It just needs to happen. It just, it just has to happen. Yeah, and that reason and the, the constant ongoing battle between players like yourself, Balor, who like to minimize their item filter to like five different types of items that they pick up, that battle between that type of player and the GGG developers trying to create rewarding loot explosions that, that feel good. And it's... it's I mean, don't balance around me. I turn off everything that's rare on day one. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's also that, there's that whole thing as well that um, I remember... <laughs> you, you kind of forget that loot filters are a thing once uh, when, you, when you fight them for a certain point. But I remember at Heist, clicking on a chest and nothing came out of it. And I'm like, what? Is this bugged? And then I'm like, no, Taki, you've just filtered everything out of this chest. Like, the chest <laughs> drops loot, but there's just something in your brain that's very wrong with, like, click on big reward box. Nothing comes out of it. And you're like, hmm, this seems to be wrong. Um, yeah, loot rework is definitely needed. I, for me, the, the two biggest issues I have with Path of Exile um, is flask first and foremost, then loot. I've hated flask for years i think our first bay class actually i was saying flask needed a rework um and i worry the flask rework like that i don't think is going to happen anytime soon but desperately flasks need changing yeah yeah they could they could easily probably increase the amount of flask charges that they can hold and that they need to use for they could increase that by a factor of 10 at, Not at I, I, I don't think you should have a up time on flasks. Flasks, like, they should be this cool, like, cool down, you press it and you feel powerful. Like, this whole, like... At this point, flasks are just extra pieces of gear, and every yeah. single one of them that's rolled correctly is as good or more important than your current chest piece. That is five pieces of gear, and they're just permanent. They're just on permanently. That's how it is. And it's also like they further breed the the problem between someone who's playing on this level and that level because there's a very big difference between someone who can global a boss with all their flasks up and then someone who's got like a ten minute long fight and they're having to really manage their charges and everything. Um, yeah, mm -hmm. I just I think flask gameplay isn't good. A, a lot of my issues with Path of Exodus comes down to gameplay, like ignoring if Harvest is 
broken or not broken. I don't think the core gameplay is good. I think the same thing with, with Fast. People are like, oh, well, we'll just make a Fast Micro. But yeah, but Fast Micros isn't good gameplay because then you just press a button. Like, it's not... Ugh. It, what that does is help your hands, and I think a Fast Macro should be yeah. immediately just turned on in the game client because that already exists in my handset. Yeah. And we know that they could just flick it on. Uh, if I wasn't a streamer, I'd be using a flask macro at a heartbeat. But if I use it ever, I'll get banned. So I'm not going to use it. But I would because my hands kill me. Yeah. Kill me. But yeah. that's not a solution. That's just like a Band-Aid over the top of like just just stop. That's just stopping a really shit system from hurting my hand. That's not actually fixing a really shit system. <laughs> also, one thing that's 100% going to happen Eventually, there's going to be like an official flask mic or whatever. But I, if they ever do make that, they need to normalize flask durations because there's going to be nothing mm. more frustrating than everyone using flask macros, but then all of their flasks having different durations. <laughs> and it's like, wait, hang on, this doesn't line up. Like, it, like the system just isn't designed for that. Like, if if you're going to have that, you then need to normalize flask so that you yep. can just yeah. I mean, you get so many charges. I just. I don't even like I count to three in my head just on default and just my hand goes over all the flasks. Yes, yes, and I never good. I never even look at the march. Just every three seconds for the entire gameplay, every time I'm in any map anywhere, every three seconds just tap all five buttons at the top there. And that's that's the whole thing. <laughs> and I, I remember a time when I started playing the game when it was actually a lot slower than it was now, and you'd probably kill a tenth of the monsters per second that you kill now and flask gameplay actually felt somewhat interesting and and you were using the, the the flasks at pivotal moments rather than having them up all the time i think at some point they changed valve skills to uh, have the soul gain prevention do you think a change like that for flasks would work where you have like a flask charge gain prevention creation I think they could get away with the fall skill one because while there were pretty dedicated Valve builds and stuff back in those days, it still wasn't... Like, you didn't throw a fall skill... Well, maybe you threw a fall skill on, like, every build if you had fall haste or fall grace, but it, it wasn't a linchpin in the way that flasks are, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, flasks are a huge deal in literally every build. <laughs> um, I've played one build before that, what, that didn't have access to its flasks because it was, like... Uh, Umbilicus Immortalis weird build and so the flasks were given to the minions and that felt awful. It felt terrible. <laughs> it's just there's so much that gets stripped away from your character if you can't use them. Even just simple things like you don't have a granite flask and you don't have a phasing flask. Well, I don't have another way to get phasing on this build so now I'm dealing with running into every mob and also my fizzmid is garbage against trash monsters. Like mm-hmm. it, it's it's so much more foundational. It's crept into so many more aspects of every single character. I don't think they'd be able to do that. Um, it would have to be something that, I don't know, is a little more of a gradual change. I mean, Flasks is very much a Marvel hero situation because you yeah. need to keep in mind it's a case of if you remove 100% of uptime on Quicksilver Flasks across the entire player base, everyone's build just suddenly feels substantially worse to play. Like, because hmm. that's straight up, like, just not even if you've run like a crazy, like, increased effect or anything, but like, if you're just like, oh, everyone just lost 50% movement speed, not even like attack speed for like sh- shield charge runners, but just everyone loses 50% attack speed. And then you're like, haha, leap slam, attack speed, headhunter gamer. And then you get that massive gulf between player speeds and it's this whole thing. 
And but yeah, um, Flask used to feel really good back in beta and stuff. But there's also the whole thing of, you know, back then we pressed like two buttons because you couldn't use movement skills. So if you use movement skills, you'd desync. So you would use <laughs> like your normal skill and then you would cull unless you were a cursor, in which case you pressed all the buttons because if you were like a pentacurse build, you had to do each curse individually. Um, but yeah. I mean, back then, I remember playing a like the the standard like freeze pulse crip marauder build. You would walk up to a pack, manually do three different curses, and then start casting freeze pulse. And you'd have to cast like ten freeze pulses to kill the pack. <laughs> um, like it was Sorry, a very bogey. It was a very yeah. different game. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Man, I remember I... cursing manually beforehand. I don't yeah. think there's a proper solution really to flasks except overhaul the entire system. Like, yeah. I'm not even sure that they should exist. Um, it could be a case of, like, essentially they're charms right now. That's mm. what they are. They're charms. But you, they're on but you have to press a button. Yeah, they're charms that hurt my hand. That's what they oh. are. Maybe they shouldn't charms. be there. Yeah, maybe they just shouldn't be there if that's the case, or maybe they should actually be charms if that's the case. Or maybe there should be two flask slots and you've got one for your resource and one for your life and maybe you get to roll those and that's all you get and then the other power gets put in other places. Like, Just buff the micro distillery belt a ton so everybody gets to drop one flask and they can, they can use the four flask belt. <laughs> and you can use the timer's jewel uh, as well yeah. which does the stuff. I, I really wish that was strong. I would quite enjoy playing a build which only had like a Quicksilver and no other flasks. I'd be like, oh, that'd feel nice. <laughs> I don't know. I agree. So, yeah. Routing back to the harvest thing. So not only do we uh, do we not know whether there's changes to loot coming or not that will feel the feel make the game feel more rewarding and less of a uh, interaction with menus kind of gameplay, but rather that the strongest items come from killing the strongest monsters again. Um, but also we don't know what, what kind of context of crafting we'll have in upcoming patches. We could very well have a, a similar system to Harvest, that where Harvest was too central, but it's kind of cool how it interconnects everything. Maybe we'll get another system that, in tandem with Harvest, will be used where you can bounce back and forth and that feels a little bit less problematic or the, I, I don't know maybe new currency i mean no one would have thought that we get the the maven orb the way that we got it because i think for a long time people were always asking for an item to raise tiers of of mods on items and yeah that was generally always regard like regarded as something that's too strong to exist in the game you were able to like knock up the tier of an item mod yeah. I, I think if that existed just as that, like it pushes the tier up by one and that's it, then it would probably be too strong. But the fact yeah. that it's also in a null at the same yeah. time, so you have some degree yeah. of gambling going on, yeah, risking really your smart. item. Yeah, I, I think that the Maven Orb is actually a super, super clever implementation. I really like that. Um, but jumping off your point about the strongest items coming from killing the strongest monsters, um, I think that there is a sort of uh, a core 
uh, I guess dissonance is the word I can use here, like a core dissonance there between that goal and also crafting existing in the game and being any sort of deterministic. Like those two things cannot exist at the same time. You cannot have mm -hmm. the strongest items drop from the monsters while also having determinism, even to the level of nerfed harvest, I think. Like it, it, they just don't exist in the same space unless you have some sort of like the only thing that sort of circumvents that is when you have items that are either drop only. So something like talismans, but you know, way stronger potentially if you wanted to make that happen. So they, they always drop corrupted and you're just hoping to drop a badass one or something that is inherent to the item. And so you basically get this really cool crafting base, like synthesis items, you know? Like you're, it doesn't matter what the fucking mods are on it. You're really excited when you see an explodey synth weapon drop every time. It doesn't, doesn't matter what the affixes are. Um, yeah. Like those are the only things that circumvent that system. Having something that is an inherent property or an unchangeable property of the item as it drops so that crafting can't be used to obtain that. Like the, you, you kind of have to separate the two, you know? If crafting can be used to deterministically obtain the thing, it's no longer going to be exciting to have the thing drop because the more efficient way of obtaining it will be deterministically crafting it. And if crafting can't be used to deterministically gain it, then you can have the exciting thing drop, but it's a lot more frustrating to get. Like there is, in, I, mean, I, I, I cannot see a way harvest. to bridge that. I we're, cannot we're, see a way to bridge that. I wanted to say exactly what you said just then on the back of you praising Maven orbs, because I think Maven orbs are a mistake. Yeah. It, particularly because of that exact problem. Because if we go, like, even with like pre, if we go pre influence items, the whole thing was, is like, the best way to get an item was either to craft it yourself, or you might just get really lucky, and it could be the equivalent of getting, like, a mirror drop, and you just ID that, like, you know, five-tier one item, you're like, oh, what? But, like, it's incredibly difficult to actually just, like, ID a good item now. Even if we had just, like, lucky loot, it's incredibly rare that you ID or, like, get given a good item through something like Ritual. What happens, it's like, oh, this is a decent base that I can then, like, fix with yeah. something else. Like, all we really care about nowadays is, did it? Is it the right eye level? Is it the right base item? And then maybe, like, best case scenario, if you're someone who plays SSF, or, or not very much, is maybe like, oh, I got a pretty decent item with, like, three tier ones that I can fix with something else. But, like, with the way that um, you have, like, you can't drop multi-influence items. So the fact that we can have these, like, multi-influence maven things means it's impossible to actually drop the best items in the game. And I think that's a serious mistake in an ARPG. And the tier tier zero uh, mods on the influenced items, the tier zero influenced mods are only accessible via Maven Orb. It's, well, it's, it's not just that, but it's the fact like you can't drop a you know redeemer hunter chest. Like you like you just you physically oh, can't yeah, get the, the best items. Yeah, true. You can, you can't drop double influenced items. So not only is there double influenced items, but there's also then Maven stuff on top of that. It just means yeah, yeah. It's yeah. I never thought of it that way. I, I think it's think a very I'm big issue. Yeah. No, I had I had that thought when uh, when mm. I practiced Maven in permanent softcore, uh, and I didn't get Maven orbs to drop and just bleeding currency because of that, which wasn't a problem because it was permanent softcore. But I thought that outside of the random lucky Maven orb that you drop, the Maven fight doesn't really feel all that rewarding. Like if if Maven dropped Maven orbs might. and yeah. also dropped like. Tier zero items or items, or double influence 
with potentially yeah, like, to zero. Then it's like okay. Um, and it's something they can, you know, they can easily add in, like double influence Even items maybe, drops from particular bosses or whatever. But like, it, it's I don't know. It's it's a th- it's a big issue that like, um, we have the whole problem with loot bloat. We have all these issues with the loot. I think the biggest fundamental issue with loot in Path of Exile is you ca- you can no longer drop the best items in the game, and we haven't been able to for a long time. Literally never even considered it just because I always have loot all the way all the way off, but that actually might be the reason why I have loot all the way off. Because there's just straight up a zero percent chance that anything drops I care about. It's not gonna drop on the floor. That's not how that works. I get 86 influence bases of exact specific kinds. That's that's it. Everything else is off because it can't. It's not. It's not going to be there. <laughs> yeah, I, I can see that. Um, I mean, I think that's part of the reason why, despite the crashes and deaths, and and I don't know a way to say this that doesn't sound pretentious. So I'm just gonna accept that I might. Um, but that's part of the reason why, despite the crashes and deaths and disconnects and stuff, I have been legitimately enjoying hardcore trade more than softcore trade. When I've when I have played softcore trade recently, is because uh, back when I started playing, one of my favorite things in this game was picking up a full tab full of of rares, IDing it all, and seeing if there's something cool in the pile. And you're absolutely right. In softcore trade, it's a pile of alteration shards, is what I have picked up. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, at least in the smaller economy of hardcore trade that has items leaving it fairly regularly, a ring that has 70 life and a chaos or as roll with an open prefix, that's still worth like 30c. You know, the helmet that dropped with life and double res, I can craft some hybrid chaos res on that and sell it for 15c. And, and that's not a ton of currency, but it's still exciting. And I would like to have that experience still in softcore trade, but I just don't. So I mean, yeah. that's why I play SSF. That's the yeah, exact reason I play SSF. I... Um, I just I don't have the patience, I guess. There's there's builds with like really specific things that I want to do and I I could grind for them in Soul Self Found. Some people do and I admire them. But I, I don't know. I can't grind for a specific alt quality gem or grind for a specific replica unique or something. It's just I can't yeah. do that. Um and also on that point, another reason why it's so important, because even if you could drop these double influence tiers, like they would still be so rare you would never really even get a good one. But like having that possibility is that's actually an amazing thing for this average player we keep talking about because that's suddenly a massive potential <clears throat> pool of wealth or just a potentially very strong item that it can be given someone who doesn't have the game knowledge to go through these a million crafting steps. Like the way that they keep adding these like cherry toppings of like, oh, you need the double crop, you need the this, you need the that, you need the that. There's no way to stumble upon those items anymore. And because of that, it's impossible as a new player, casual, average, or whatever, to accidentally get this really cool item. Which, if you look back to earlier PUE, it was very possible, not likely, but it's very possible that you've maybe only played for 20 hours, but you had an insane wand drop. Like, you could have had the best cast wand just drop for you. In much the same way, you'll see people like, hey, I just got a Mirror of Calander drop after like 50 hours. Meanwhile, I've played since 2013, I've never seen one. Like, you know. Yeah, we need these amazing items to be able to drop. And I know that's something that 
Chris at least agrees with fundamentally because he decided to make a you know Diablo two successor. Like you, you, it's is core to a loot game. You know, Path of Exile is the only loot game I know which you don't play for the loot. You you play for the crafting, like you don't play for the drops, and that's a, that's a problem. You, know? you you play for the fungible loot. You know, you, yeah. you play for the things that can essentially all be traded back and forth through each other easily. That sort of thing. The just to play devil's advocate, the one upside there is that if you do have some basic knowledge of what it is that you need to put a, a simple character together, getting you know if you're in softcore trade, even like a week into the league. Getting like a pair of boots with life res move speed, getting a chest piece with a basic six link, getting, you know, some starter uniques, cheap as dirt. So, you know, if you just want to get a character going and you just want to get rolling, because those are now not really the highest tier of things you're shooting for anymore, and there's these echelons of gear above it, they are, of course, worth quite a lot less. And so it's a lot easier to get a character rolling, what you know, just a basic build going. And there's there's some merit to that. The fact that if you just want to make a basic build and get farming currency, it's it's fairly easy to do that. But yeah, you basically instead of pulling the lever on a slot machine and occasionally hitting the jackpot, you're now just by running maps and all that, you're just kind of investing into high yield long term stocks or something. I don't know. I don't invest. I should. I probably should. I'm nearing my thirties, but I don't yet. Oh, don't know. Yeah. Is, but I mean that isn't even necessarily a good thing because you you then have the issue of a lot of players won't know to look for you know the basic tier method. one life strength resist what like a lot of people won't know to that and even if they do know to that if they then don't either have the patience or the knowledge or whatever to then set up those long term crafting goals well congratulations they've just completed their character day one for tensi which isn't good. <laughs> like, oh, I've got these good enough items for a chaos each. It's like, great, well, you just completed your entire build. Um, have fun, you know. Um, and if you're someone who wants to like make a new character every other day, then I guess that's fine. But like, I don't know. Um, it comes back to the lack of progression, and that was one thing that Harvest was very good for, as it gave people those progression parts. Uh, quickly on the note of you said the the double corrupted items and I feel like they did a really good job making those available from the Val side areas that drop in maps can roll that you drop double corrupted items randomly from the boss and also with the current leak mechanic you get double corrupted items I've definitely seen uh, CB corrupted jewels with life rolls and and some other corrupt implicit and I, I really enjoy those like because they're so random. That you'll never get a good one, but then when you get a good one, it's it's it feels really good. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a it's a difficult game to balance. Okay. <laughs> I, I don't envy them at all. Um, okay. But yeah, I, I do think that a lot of these issues kind of come back to like the core fundamentals, and hopefully that's stuff that PV two will solve. But the loot definitely is one of the biggest issues in a loot driven game. Um, there's there's one other thing that Harvest in its current form solved that will be a problem again with its nerfed variant, which I don't think was the correct way to solve it anyway, so I'm fine with it, but it's still a concern. Super off-meta, not-so-powerful skills. Harvest let you play them in a fun and actually playable fashion. I disagree. Is it Gave you enough power to make a shit skill work. And I don't 
I think that should be addressed different ways. I don't think there should be shit skills. I would like it if when they buffed 50 skills, you know, at least 30 of them became usable instead of like none. But, but Harvest did solve that problem See, for a lot I, of people. I've seen a lot of people say that with Harvest changing, that the meta's gonna become terrible because I will no longer be able to play in my like meme builds or whatever. I completely disagree. Like, I disagree with that on a very fundamental level because again, there's a very big difference between someone with like your level of knowledge and making like a meme build through Harvest and then whatever we're saying the average person is trying to make, I don't know, what's a terrible skill? Glacial Hammer, what, or what, like. <sighs> Glacial Hammer took rank one in the Raider race. Not the Gla it does actually it is actually pretty decent. Yeah, it's it's actually quite difficult to come up with bad skills. These a lot of them will be like a poorly mechanical spell. Really, like I don't know. It's because we've forgotten they exist. If you went in game and like opened well, up, it's not, it's, it's not even a case of they've forgotten them. Like, garbage, garbage, they, garbage. You've got they exist. It's actually most skills are actually pretty good now. Like it depends on where your goals are. This is, I think, one of the fundamental things that is problematic in this discussion. Because, yeah, if someone's goal is to clear 100% Delirious T16, they want to kill Feared, they want to do, you know, witnessed Uber Elder, then a lot of the skills are going to seem very outdated and very mm. unviable. But if your goal is to alk and go on endgame maps, like T14 to 16 maps, that suddenly opens up a whole field of options, you know? Like, you can alk and go on T16 maps and probably even do, like, Cyrus 6 to 8 with, like, fucking Static Strike or Glacial Hammer. And it's not even it's not that bad. You can do it with those skills for sure. But I wouldn't want to try and take on 100% Delirious maps with that, no. Like, there's, there's this huge swath of content in Path of Exile. And I think one of the core issues with things like Harvest, as well as a lot of other more meta balance decisions, is the question of whether or not everything should be able to do all the content. Like, should every skill be capable of doing feared? Should every skill be capable of doing 100% no. Delirious T16? Where do you draw the line? I've, I've asked that specific question a lot of times in like my stream and, and you know, on YouTube and that sort of thing. And I get a huge variety of answers. There are some people who see it as, you know, just, just obvious that that would be a balanced version of Path of Exile. Every skill should be able to do all of the content all the way up to feared. But like, that is no not way. the current game at all. I mean, it, it's also the fact that every single league like if you, because a lot of people just look at Pee Ninja numbers again. Pee Ninja numbers are incredibly disrepresentative Worthless. of what people are actually playing because you're only seeing this tiny fraction, especially towards the end of the league, where like you're mm -hmm. only seeing like level one hundreds. Um, but I mean, go back to Legion. That was pre-harvest. Like, oh, sixty percent of the playbase playing Cyclone. Like every league will be like sixty percent of the playbase is playing like one of three builds. You know, if you have harvest or you don't have harvest, it's the same stuff. I actually think that one thing, and some people might disagree with me on this, but I think there's merit to playing a build because you're like, I'm going to play this build because it doesn't require gear. And I kind of like that. It was like you used to play certain builds because like, well, these can run reflect maps or these builds can run no region yeah. maps. And I, I think there's actually something quite good about like, oh, this is a build which doesn't re require much or it, only requires a very certain amount to get rolling. It's it's the reason why I play so much of Caustic Arrows. Like I play yeah. a lot of SSF, and it's a build that can do every single map mod and requires very little gear to get rolling. And it also happens to be one of my favorite skills. So like it has this really good lineup. When 
everyone can get access to those powerful gear straight away, then I feel like you're more likely to only play the most broken abilities because they utilize the insane gear the most and they make the most out of these crazy mm -hmm. setups. I think it, everyone having insane access to Harvest makes people far more likely to like Blade Blast whatever shenanigans than be like, I'm going to play a really hipster, like, no, like, it, people don't play like that, because if you look at the numbers, it, they don't line up, you know. I don't know. Yeah, I, I like that there's different types of skills where, and I don't know the answer exactly or where I stand on that question you posed, Octavian, with what, what would be a good way to balance things, but I, I do like the idea that some skills are good early, some skills are good late, based on... Um, yeah, either economy or what you can obtain in SSF. And um, some skills allow you to invest a lot and reach a higher top end, and some skills cap out early. And there is also a difference in quality of life, how you use the skills. So should the skill that provides more quality of life, more ease of gameplay, should that be as powerful as a skill that is complicated to play and that requires you to press six different buttons? I mean, a guy in chat basically said what I was trying to say, but much more elegantly. I would argue Harvest hurts endgame build variety because it buffs builds to a level where the numerical pad skill no longer matters. The only thing that matters is the ease of use of the skill, which is why stuff like Blade, Vortex, Cyclone, etc. So I completely agree with that. When, yeah, every, that. when everything does enough damage, you then only play like well, what hits the entire screen. Like you could have well, done an Incredibles reference, man. But when everyone yeah, exactly, super, no yeah. one is. No, but like, because there were some people in chat when I was talking about like what's the battle. People were saying like Sunder, like oh, Sunder's terrible. Sunder does insane damage. Like you can global bosses with Sunder. It's just Sunder compared to like Earthquake or Earth Shatter is a bit clunky for map clear. And that's the other thing. Like, where do we say is a bad skill or a good skill? Most skills which are mm. bad skills still do like ridiculous numbers. It's just they don't have the smooth AOE or the smooth attack speed or whatever it is that makes something else feel, you know, a bit stronger. Yeah. Mm. I mean, Blade Vortex is like numerically a super weak skill, but also one of my favorite ones just because it's mechanically so good and I can get the power. So. Yep. Yeah, yeah that, that factor and but also what Octavian says, if everything's powerful, nothing is powerful, because if everything's powerful, then the new content that we get and the new balance level will accommodate that. And then when everything is, you know, the, the base power level of everything is so high, then the enemies are going to get buffed to the point where everything is only average again. In, in answer to my own previous question, I don't think personally that every build should be capable of feared you know like i i don't think personally that feared i don't view feared as core content core content in my mind is doing every t16 map and and maps below it and doing like cyrus and doing all the conquerors maybe shaper elder maybe uber elder that sort of thing like i consider a build to be a completed good done build if it can do all of that i don't I don't try and push every build I have to the absolute pinnacle of doing 100% T16 or 18 or 19 maps, doing feared, that sort of stuff like that. That is the extra level, the extra step. But the, 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 the issue comes in when, when people have varying definitions on that and you, know, you, you consider everything in the game to be the core base content and the, you know, any extra step is just, is just also extra core content. I don't know. Maybe maybe that's just my way of looking at things. I don't want to project that onto everyone else, but I feel like 
if you if your build can't do feared, it's fine. If your build can't do you know the highest tippy top of content, that's fine. It's not a bad build. It's still worth having played. I mean, there's also something you need to keep in mind. There's a very big difference between can do it and can do it in hardcore. Because obviously your standard of, oh, this is a feared viable build. It's a build that can routinely do the content safely. Yeah. Whereas it's a lot easier to be like, I will r- run this and maybe use three or four portals. And if you then if you then add in that like caveat, suddenly a lot of builds become you know viable for this yeah. endgame content. You go from having this handful to this bucket full of builds yeah. if you can suddenly use a few portals. Yeah. Yeah. Like me, personally, I'm only ever going to play builds that will do it straight away because I spent the majority of my path decks. I like I've been playing only soft course pretty much since Delve, but I've still spent the majority of my time playing Path with hardcore, so I always go for that kind of mindset of like if I can drop 30% damage but make my build not die, I'll do that. Um so, <laughs> yeah. I, that, that's one thing I always find really funny when I get like Patreon build reviews or whatever is I'll get these like super softcore PB warrior things and like Taki fix this and I'm like, well you know that what I want to do is drop like all of your damage and make the build actually like tanky, but that's not what you want me to do. So <laughs> yeah. what you're doing is 22 million DPS with two and a half k life, but yeah. you could do eight million and have oh, that's that's my Let's biggest like, oh, dude, if you're one-shotting the stuff anyway you don't need like if, yeah. if it, it's dead like you know if you if you only need you know five million to kill it great you've got 500 million pb but it doesn't mean anything like it doesn't make the build at that point if you don't want to mess with life just go into like a taxi or moon seed so it just maps faster like if you want to do that that's yeah. fine but like no, I need more damage targets. Oh. The, the ceiling as to how high damage needs to be to handle um, the tip-top of endgame now has actually been pushed up quite a bit further. Like, if you want to do absolutely everything, including um, including feared now, I, I wouldn't recommend that, at least not safely, on anything less than, like, 8 to 10 million consistent DPS. Um, whereas doing all the endgame content like 1.6. Oh, it's... Course it, to carry. Yeah. It's probably doable, yes. Um, but, you know, I'm talking, like, Safely without portals. Like mine was safe. I mean, you saw. You I remember. You, yeah, you saw my videos, and you're like, "Oh, that was." I really saw the cool. Maven, which that oh, was yeah. very well played. I didn't see you do feared. I don't. I, I'm not I saying don't I doubt you did it, it but I didn't I see fun with caustic. Yeah. Uh, um, like two mil. Two mil is my baseline of like this is the minimum amount to comfortably mm-hmm. do stuff. Yeah, I was about to say my previous minimum would have been like one and a half to two and a half mil- million, um, and that still is my minimum for what I consider core content. Which is why I'm, I don't know, I feel like I'm not expressing my point here well. Just, like, I remember back in the day, back in Bestiary League, um, I made this same point that the majority of my builds couldn't really even do Uber Elder, and I still considered them to be good, enjoyable builds. Like, I just, I, I wish that mindset were a little more prevalent. That, like, you don't have to reach the absolute top end of all content to have a build that was worth playing. And that, like, because that's people so often, maybe it's just vocal. Maybe the majority of people aren't acting this way. It's probably the case the majority of people aren't acting this way. But I get, you know, a vocal minority, at least, commenting on videos or talking to my Twitch chat saying they feel like they wasted their time and their build was unpleasant and their build was a disappointment. And I ask them, well, what's the problem with it? And they're like, well, it's not killing feared fast enough or something like that. And it's just, it's just 
it's still fine. Like you could do T16 maps quickly, do those, make some currency, invest more, make a new build. Like you don't have to be right at the, don't, don't you want the content to last? You don't I have mean, to be right at the end right now. A, a lot of it is just, you get people obsessed and PUE is very bad for that because of the way the game works and like with Reddit and everything, especially is that you just see these clips, like how oh, we killed it in two seconds. It's yeah. like, the question you ask yourself, did you have fun the last, like, three weeks you spent playing Path of Exile? If the answer to that is yes, then you did it correct. Like, there's no wrong thing to that. The amount of times, like, if you stream or make content, it's like, hey, I'm playing this build, it's really fun, I enjoy it. Why are you playing this build? It's shit. You should be playing that. It's like, well, no, because I'm enjoying it. There's, oh. one, there's one guy, I won't call him out, but he's one of my regulars, and they're terrible. Like, they're really bad for sending me, like, build reviews or something, and they'll be really enjoying it, and then I'll make a similar-ish character, but I'll, like, root differently. And then they'll be like, oh, I wish I hadn't wasted all my time playing this because you've done it this way now. So now my previous character is deleted. It's like, no, like, you, don't need to, you don't need to delete everything because someone else did something slightly different or slightly better. Or, like, if you That's had fun thing playing... The thing about PoE is that everything has, like, everyone does... No two builds are the same. So... Back in the every every min max build was tornado shot days. Mm. Back you know before mm. bows were taken out behind the shed and given two shots from a shotgun. Um, the I I think it was best Jerry league. Yeah, it was best Jerry league. I was playing a spectral shield throw dead eye, and I think I just had like dead eye in my stream title or something. I had someone come to my channel and get really really vocal, telling me I was doing it wrong and that Dead Eye was completely wrong and I should be playing. I think it was it was either Raider Raider or Pathfinder. It was one of the other two, and you know like Tornado Shot. And eventually he said, "Well, Tornado Shot is just awful in this ascendancy." And I'm like, "You know I'm playing Spectral Shield Throw, right?" He hadn't even looked at the gameplay on screen. He had an opinion on what he thought was the best <laughs> way to do the thing. He saw I was playing a Dead Eye and just assumed that yeah. I had the opposing opinion and got in there to argue with me. I wasn't even <laughs> playing the build he was mad about. And that has lodged in my brain forever as being... He just like, saw your damage and thought, oh, it must be tornado shot. <laughs> that, that has been lodged in my brain forever as being the pinnacle of like what I don't understand about people approaching builds in this game. But it, it you know, the fun, fun anecdote and all that. That is a fairly vocal minority. I don't want to try and paint the entire PoE community as that. A lot of people do take the game a lot slower and just play it for fun and stuff. But God, is it frustrating when you come across someone who's cantankerous about a certain way of playing a build. Yeah. Um, briefly off the back of that, that reminds me. Because I went through, before I was known only as playing Corsica Traps, I used to only play Crit Bow builds. And I used to only play Crit Bow for like a few years. And I, I would do like, and this also back when I was playing hardcore, so I'd play like tornado shot until I died, then I'd make lightning arrow until I died, then I would do like ice shot, and I would just like rotate between them. People would get really angry when I wasn't playing tornado shot. Like, what's wrong with you? And it's like, well, I just played that, and I, I'm basically playing the exact same tree, the exact same everything, I'm just doing it slightly differently. And like, and the thing which I find so funny about it is the actual play style is exactly the same. Like, nothing changes, it's just the colour of the arrows, and maybe, like, instead of globaling eight screens, you only global four screens. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's like, why are you using lightning arrow and you could be using ice shot? It's like, well, if you're one-shotting everything, it doesn't really matter, it's just one's a different colour. You know, so... Like, the gameplay's identical, you know. So, I don't know. 
what what other topics did we we were just gonna veer into more and more anecdotes well, i mean to be to be fair the topic list was like talk about build shit and we're talking about true, build shit, true. aren't we so yeah, yeah. nailed yeah. it Ch cherry picking the stuff from 3.13 and just that, so that we're not busy with harvest all the entire podcast episode i, I thought like it would be nice to have some, some positives as well but i feel like that links back to harvest to a point that we didn't make and that's actually Homo, I don't know how to pronounce the word, homogeneity of items? Homogeneous. Homogeny. Homogeny, okay. Yeah, homogeneous would be the adjective I was looking for the noun. But basically, I, I, I celebrate individual builds, right? Like the, the fact that Path of Exile has so many ways to do it. There's not one clear way how to do something right. And I feel like Harvest took a little bit away from that in its current mm -hmm. iteration because it made the top tier items all look the same. Yeah, Very no, I similar. agree with that. Um, um, that was actually something that I spoke about on Bay class, and I could understand people's reactions to that. As someone who does play a lot of the same kinds of builds over and over and over again, I said there was the thing of, with Harvest, I will always have the exact same items every single league. And people are like, we'll just play different builds then. And I'm like, okay, that is sort of a solution However, you're then saying you're having fun playing the game the way you want to play it, but you're having fun wrong because you're <laughs> not engaging with Harvest the way that I engage with Harvest because I never play the same build. So that whole thing is a bit messy. But yeah, no, I, I don't like the fact that Harvest did make... It's the, when we, it's the same as when we had the um, unlimited multi-mod and every single item was just the same two um, alt-regaled <laughs> mods and then everything else was just a meta craft. Like, it's just boring. When every item is identical, um, I feel. I feel like the sentence "you're having fun" wrong just perfectly explains, like just every chat I've ever been in. So <laughs> um, you're having fun wrong. I actually remember Noogie got really upset with me. This was during Harvestly because he made a he made a really good belt, and he he hosted me, and then he like whispered me the belt, and I'm like, all right. And he got his chat like, "Why? Why are you like pretending it's not a cool belt?" I'm like, "Well, no, it is. It's a really good belt." But he just made it with harvest, so it's, it's not special anymore because it's just like, you like it's 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 it's, it's if if it was pre harvest, you sitting that belt, I would have like lost my own. Like, oh, I can't believe you made that. Like, what the hell? But now it's like, oh well, yeah, you you made that using the system that that you make anything. See, it that's where elevated mods come in. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Like it takes but, a long but time. But ironically, a little bit. Okay. Sorry. No, go ahead. Um, like I'm not trying to minimize the amount of work and effort that goes into crafting these insane items, but like when you do have that level of determinism, it does make items less inherently interesting because you're just like, oh, you you did the thing. The amount of lack of interest I have in gear people link me nowadays is. If people are real excited about it, they're like, oh, I finally made my six tier one pair of boots that have like five influence mods on them. And I'm like, great. Good job. I've seen 12 of them this league. Uh, what, do you, what do you want from me? Like, you just printed the item in Harvest like everyone else prints the item in Harvest. <laughs> I don't know. It's exciting to them. That's it's neat in its own right to some degree. Um, I will mourn some of the the lost weird stuff 
you can do with Harvest. But like I said earlier, Harvest isn't going away entirely. And I, I, I do actually kind of anticipate it still being a fairly powerful set of tools to work with going forwards. Um, I am very glad that the Harvest nerfs haven't, for the most part, outside of, I guess, making like Warlord weapons, they haven't really influenced how difficult it is to make a Fizz DPS weapon. Because I think that's one of the things that Harvest actually improved the most is it made PDPS weapons way more accessible and that's mm -hmm. made melee way more enjoyable to me. So on a positive note with Harvest, since we haven't had a lot of those, um, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm glad that making a PDPS two-hander or something is still gonna be much easier than it was before because those are on the whole uninfluenced. You know, Sometimes you'll go for a bleed one and you'll have an elder mod on there and those are gonna be a lot harder to make. Um, and sometimes you'll go for a warlord one if you want the biggest dick DPS to get the percent fizz suffix, I think it is. It's like a hybrid suffix, but you know you can still make much easier than pre-harvest. You can make like an 800 PDPS weapon, yeah. and that that papers over a lot of the problems that melee has. That was actually something I was gonna say earlier. But we started to talk about like every other topic in the universe. Yeah, there's actually a lot of items, and this is something when you then talk about whatever a casual, whatever an average player is. Um, you can still make just really good caster weapons. You can still make just really good, you know, a bunch of tier one life, res, whatever, chest piece, boots, gloves, helmets, whatever. Um, and then it might be a case of, yeah, you make like a pretty good base item and then you just YOLO and influence onto it and maybe you get a cool mod. Yeah. yeah. Being able to fracture things is yeah. still incredibly powerful. Um, yeah. I've used that on, like, I think I've had... Characters have actually invested a decent amount in this league. I've had like four, and I think each one of those has like two, two three, four pieces of gear with a fractured roll on it because it's it's just so incredibly strong for deterministically making something decent, and that'll still be around. Fracturing like fortify effect on an amulet or fracturing uh, high yeah. fizz on a weapon to try and craft a good PDPS weapon, that sort of thing. I love fracturing. I made like a really good fizz bow and fizz wand earlier just because of fracturing that's fracturing temple affixes just buying all the bases oh, and neat. fracturing temple affixes and then essence spamming until you hit flaring oh yeah i like that and then like, de the rest like zeal essences you mean like deafening zeal nah, for t -zero and, uh, forget what i was i forget i forget what i was it might have been fossil crafting Oh, yeah. I mean, Jaggeds would be good, too. Yeah, I think it was just Jaggeds until it hit Flaring. And then and then harvesting everything from there, and you could, like, reliably make incredibly good fizz weapons that way. I really like Essences. I think Essences are neat. They've stood um, the test of time. Um, they are massively helped by the Haywork Hamlet nodes. Yes. I think those are some of the most successful <laughs> nodes on the passive tree. Like, they feel impactful and strong, and they're worth picking up, in my opinion, at least. You know, I, I don't know about softcore trade, but in you know either solo self found or hardcore trade environment, they definitely feel worth. And they're not so disgustingly powerful that like I feel bad not farming them. I think yeah. essences have always been an amazing mechanic. It's just they were so painful to trade. Like the things, whenever I'm like, should I maybe play trade again? I'm like, no, because I have memories of trying to buy fear essences back when I was playing summoner builds, and it's like, no, I don't ever want to experience <laughs> that again. Um, yeah, screw that. I'd love to see um, 
buffs to a bunch of the other nodes on the Atlas tree. I, I think that was on the topic list. I don't know if you want to get into yeah. that yet, Capmaster. Yeah, let's go. Yeah, I thought that was a great segue. I mean, we're, we're approaching the last segment of the podcast, and I think that that would be a fun thing to talk about. Highlight a little bit of the passive tree things that we think are in a good place, that we think are a little bit too strong or too weak. And I definitely agree with the Essence one, although I've not extensively used that one. That one looked great, and when I skilled it, it I did notice something. But what I really liked uh, was the other one in Glanak, where oh. uh, you have a 50% chance to double upgrade the room. Mm. And then if you side grade, if you change the room, you add the upgrade tiers from the existing room mm -hmm. to the new room, guaranteed. And oh, did you, you uh, so such juicy temples. Did you pick up the one that replaced all the non-magic mobs with magic mobs as well? Absolutely, yes. yes that one is time so limit. good. That single-handedly made Reliquary Scarabs exciting for me again. Because if you roll a super high rarity map and throw a Gilded or Winged Reliquary Scarab in there and like Beyond or something like that, you just crap out uniques for every single Alva. And yeah, they're usually okay, terrible, yeah. but like sometimes you'll get a really cool one and... Like that's the fun feeling of gambling for drops that I really like in this game. And yeah, yeah that's, I mean, that's... it was it was mostly just like Araku Tiki's and Meganord's vices, but maybe maybe something good. One day a headhunter in a Nemesis map. But, yeah. Uh, what did I want to say? That that is definitely great. But for me, as someone who plays bad builds and SSF and tries to do high content when he doesn't have the damage or survivability for it, it really massively helps with the time limit and incursions. When all the monsters are magic, they add more to the time limit. So it gives me a higher chance of actually upgrading or changing the room and also full clearing the incursion for maximum drops and experience. Yeah. So I really like that. I want to play a replica headhunter build and, and farm that node. I, I think replica headhunter is neat. Yeah. <laughs> um, that was, that was so a question I wanted to ask you. How disappointed would you be if they didn't really? Do much the Atlas passive next league. Like maybe they just nerfed like I don't know Valdo's rest, and that was it. Pretty disappointed. I feel like, like there's there's a lot of nodes that could use some buffs, and I don't think it would be like you don't even have to go that far out of your way to buff them. You can do some relatively simple things, like mm. you know for the the rogue exile one. There was um back in in Legacy League, there was a Legacy Stone, whatever they were called, that you could get. That would put warbands in your map and make them have a more multi to rarity. You can just do that with the mm -hmm. Rogue Exile node. Like that's already in the game to some degree somewhere. Like you don't have to do something fancy, just something different, so it's worth testing again. Like I don't expect every node on the tree to be worth running. That's just maybe maybe that's too pessimistic of me, but that's that's just not going to happen. But change it up so that I can explore again. And that that's the fun part for me: figuring out what strategies are worth doing over others. Um, yeah, so to elaborate that, so not just buffs and nerfs, sorry, but like how much of it, because some people have been saying like they want the passives to like swap places and this, that, and the other. Like, would you be, mm. do you want them to do that level of stuff, like how they move maps around on the Atlas, or do you want them to kind of be like maybe Valde Rest is always where the Harvey node is, or like that was more kind of what I was talking about, sorry. Well, I mean, if they're moving around maps anyway, it doesn't really matter whether they're moving the passes between the regions if they're. If they're Yes, because you then always, like, I understand what you mean, but yes, if it's a case of this is always the incursion plus delirium one. This is always the Oh, yeah, okay, if the combinations like, change. Yeah, yeah. You, you, you move around the branches, and that way you then have different, like, setups. Could, could you imagine being the person trying to write the Atlas guide? 
if they're going to shift all the passives every single league forever? Um, I've I'm never seen more <laughs> sadness in my life than talking to Engineering Eternity about updating guides in XRCOM. Um, mm. That was a really great guy. I actually spent quite a lot of time hanging out with him. Um, Octavian, we had a, like a day or two of just hanging out with him randomly in New Zealand. But we at one point we just talk about like updating YouTube videos or whatever, and you could just see the anguish in his eyes because like his videos were so good and like he done it's just like oh god, yeah. But yeah. that aside, yeah, I'd like to see the move mechanics around and have different pairings. Yeah, I'm sorry, Bellor, but I would. No, I, I like variety. Well. I want to. I want to theory craft new strats and stuff. You know. I, I especially hate myself, when like I definitely want to see it. <laughs> yeah, especially when like different kinds of nodes come together and you can be farming multiple things at the same time. I don't know, that's fun. Like um I rolled I rolled for T1 geomancy and all of my watchstones in Valdez rest, which is the suffix that makes items have a chance to drop with maximum sockets. Um on top of getting all of the harvey nodes and all of the metamorph nodes and just basically squeezing tons of monsters into the map for free and speedrunning them as quickly as I could. And that was a neat strategy because it leveraged multiple different aspects of you know the, the end game and used them all together to farm something. So if you can move around nodes on the tree and, and make new things like that pop up, that yeah, that'd be neat. How do you take um, all, all the six sockets out of the map then? To use like four portals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. That most people wouldn't be willing to do that. Fusings are worth a lot more in hardcore. Yeah, that's it's like a four or five. I turn off six socket items and never pick them up again. Bala, you don't pick up fucking every <laughs> time I watch this podcast. It's like okay, let's see how long it takes for Bala to be like. I only pick up one item a year. <laughs> I you like, still pick up exalt, you, know you scum. Sorry, I'm, I'm gonna start calling people out. The most painful experience I've had watching any Path XR podcast was the episode you did early this league with Gazi and Path of Math. Talk about crafting helmets. I wanted to kill myself. <laughs> like it's a, it's especially oh. since people spend such a long time saying Bay Class is a bunch of elitists. And it's just these dudes <laughs> just like wanking each other off. Like, My two hundred exalted helmet. This is how I craft it. It's like shut up, like please, just stop talking. That episode like, was specifically designed to invite oh, the top tier. No, uh, it was it, it was the awful. Top tier crafting. It, it, it's like no, it's like just two Olympic swimmers just comparing their lap times. <laughs> it, like it's like going to like a, like okay, this is like a beginners. Let's teach him how to swim. And there's just these two fucking Olympians just like flexing on these kids. Like, like, God, you can't hold your breath for very long. You still Shut use up. pool paddles? <laughs> oh, look at this prick with his armbands on. It's like, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, it was, yeah. But uh, we, we're, we're welcoming of any PoE players yeah, yeah, here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, welcome. Yeah. No, uh, yeah. It's, it's just, it's, I, I swear, oh. it's just Tarky having oh, Gordon, gone. Gordon Ramsay vibes here. <laughs> Sorry, I'm using my phone as my webcam, and uh, yeah, uh, I'm back. I'm back. Uh, what were we talking about? <laughs> oh yeah, um, which nodes are going to be like nerfed and stuff? Yeah. I mean, performance I problems alone. Harder yeah, yeah. nodes are are getting 
are getting tuned. Like, I wish I'm they sorry. Were problematic, though, because I really <laughs> like them. Uh, sorry to anybody in chat who's like super attached to them, but they crash computers, man. Like, you can't. They're not going to stay. Oh, God. <laughs> sorry, I had to get that out. That was it's been bothering me. That was great. That's going to get the most. That's the part of the podcast that's going to get the most amount of comments on YouTube. Is that rant? Okay. That's the part of the podcast that goes into the highlight. Right. Yeah. I'm going back to look at the topic list now. <laughs> so I've lost. <laughs> I've lost my place. Uh, I mean, we can also extend that conversation to really to to ascendancy points and to, uh, to yeah, to the entire game. Is there anything that you think blatantly needs to be addressed in terms of a uh, power level that should either be brought up to be uh, more equal or brought down? Uh, buff the rogue exile nuts. Buff the freaking buff the heist notes. I don't think there's been a lot of complaining about it because a lot of people just don't care about heist or mm. don't want to heist, so they don't mind. But my God, I you played try. with those nodes assigned for like two weeks and they're terrible. I never got a single revealed blueprint. I, I ran a lot of maps over in Lyra Arthane trying to get, you know, going like, ooh, I'm going to save some rogue markers. <laughs> and like, I was doing that the whole time I was mapping. It was really annoying to my stream. <laughs> and not a single one dropped. Like, like, I assigned the nodes and nothing happened. Please buff them. I never got great migration to proc, and I that was like the first thing I filled in. And for the hot like so for the like first three weeks, however long it was that I was like playing, it never once proc to me, which which felt I really had bad. it once in a moon temple. That's the one that replaces every rare monster with a beast. Yeah. yeah oh, right. yep. Thirty six beasts in my moon temple. That was fun. Really neat strat is um with the Lyra Arthane beast nodes, you can roll, I think it's titanium watchstones for the naturally mm -hmm. lucky prefix, which makes it so when a red beast spawns, you get the rarer of two, which is technically different language than what the Lyra Arthane nodes give, because they just say that rarer beasts are more likely to spawn. So those stack, mm -hmm. and you get super rare beasts all the damn that's time. Cool. That's cool. It's really, really cool. Um, so, yeah, that's a good note. I would like to keep that as is, I guess, because... <laughs> For reference, in my entire time spent playing Path of Exile, I found one Ferule boss beast up until this league where I found seven. Yeah. So it, it is a okay. massive improvement. I think mm. my one issue with the whole Atlas system, I touched on it a little bit earlier, which was part of the reason I had issues with Harvest, is when we have a lot of out-of-Atlas activities, like Heist and Delve, the fact that that content doesn't interact with the Atlas at all makes it very bad to run that, or makes it me feel bad running that content. Like, even if I set up my entire Atlas to interact with Heist or to interact with Delve, when I'm then actually doing that content, it's like, oh, this is wrong. I, I, I feel like there should be some way that there is some interaction. 
Um, so like, oh, maybe you've specced into the heist node so you get more blueprints drop, but then also maybe blueprints cost less to unveil. Or I don't know, I, f I feel like it could maybe be less of a Atlas thing and more of a character thing. Like, Does that make yeah, sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Because I thought also that that's why I was so happy or why I'm so hyped to see changes because I just think the system has a lot of potential. Like it's really great in its current implementation, but there's just so many things that they can do with it that modify how single parts of the game work that I'm just hyped to see, I don't know, make the Elrion slams in Betrayal uh, specific, for example, like make mm. them because they're meaningless uh, at, at this point. And, and just oh, make Leo them augment a fire mod, for example. Yeah, that would be neat. Yeah, that'd be really cool. Uh, oh, go ahead, Bally. It is the answer more passive trees? Like, I want to see it expanded, yeah. Passive tree. Yeah. I mean, if you could loop it all into the same system, I don't know if they can do that like from a technical standpoint right now, but you know, what if there was another Maven invitation for you'd have to make the delve bosses more common. Um, but you know, a Maven invitation for all four of the delve bosses. Call it or oh, the three, heist bosses. Three. Um, oh, heist bosses make me sad. I like heist, and heist bosses make me sad. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, um, but yeah, you could you could like the the delve one. You could call it the deep. You know, the invitation for that, and then you could do one for, I guess, heist. I don't know. Like expanding the system to to encompass uh, more holistically the entire game would would be great. And yeah. I'm sure there's room for passive points influencing that sort of thing. Like um, this is something that I was talking about in my stream for a little while. And one of the ideas that we came up with was um, you are for the purposes of reward spawns, you are treated as though you are a hundred floors deeper for delve or something like mm -hmm. that. Or or boxes that drop rare items roll them lucky. That sort of thing. That might be a little broken. Hmm. Yeah, Delve cities have a hundred percent more chance to spawn a boss. There's just there's a lot of room to work there. I I think there wouldn't like even if they just kept it on the atlas. I think it would be fine just from like a pure balance point of view that you had a node which just was because like there's loads of nodes which interact with syndicate, but then if one of them didn't change the atlas syndicate, but just how like you know, safe houses drop more loot or like Katarina will drop more items. Like like I, I would take stuff like that. I don't know. Um likewise mm. if one of the Delve ones was like you count as being deeper in the floors or whatever or um Einhar um beasts like crafts are more likely to give better results. You know, like you're mm. like to get like rare or uniques or whatever or like double currency or double like I know I, f I feel like they could have it interact with some of the non mapping content. Veiled um, items drop with an additional veiled mod. Yeah exactly. Double the speed really you unveil cool. things. That would be really nice early on in a league actually. That would be really really nice. I like the way I did my Atlas actually was I spec'd hard into Jun early so I could get all my unlocks as SSF yeah. which was nice. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I do with Cassia as well, so I can get my, my early oils and then spec out of it later when I don't care about the... I think I would like the regrets to be more common. I, I feel like you should get some naturally mm. for free. I feel like you I, should... Also if I'm making, you mean. I swear that there was a post from Community Team before this League launch, before Echoes of the Atlas, mm. where they said that during the course of the Maven questline, you're going to get a few respec points. Like, just... You know, thrown on your on your tree, not even as orbs. I maybe I imagined that, 
Maybe I, they I, meant I, that you're just going to drop a few on average. Maybe that's what they meant. Yeah, maybe that's what they meant. I'm, I, I remember reading that before we, we discussed this on Baycross Hall. But yeah, it is a bit of a wasted opportunity, especially since the wording on some things is pretty vague. Like, what's a flesh architect, whatever the you know, hell it is. Yeah. Um, so it's like, you go to try something, and you're like, oh, that isn't very good. Or I want to try something else now. And it's like, oh, I, I haven't got any regrets. Yeah. Or at least have a recipe that you vendor like a full stack of regrets to get a maven regret back or whatever. I don't know. Um, yeah. Vendor yeah, a maven splinter and get an orb of unmaking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, especially now that like in the first league where that expansion is, they could have been a little bit more generous with the. Other yeah, you'd think they'd want players to really like test everything because it's also when the regrets. Uh, when there's less access to them, they're more likely to get vacuumed up by like power traders, and it means that people are less likely to change up their strategies. And if that stuff's really accessible to people, normal people, whatever that means, or SSF players, like they're more likely to have fun, you know. I don't know. Yeah. Give me regrets, dude. <laughs> Especially since um i don't think i don't know if it would necessarily even be a bad thing i don't know if there should even be a cost tied to it because i understand the point of we want players like like characters to have weight um so we'll have the whole regrets because we want there to be something of character balance when it's like an account bound system that you can't easily have like different pages of or whatever i don't know it's yeah mm. Yeah, I remember Octavian tweeting something along the lines of I, I don't want the juiced up harbinger in my in my lower maps when I'm leveling a new character in hardcore. Yeah. I mean just being able to disable the entire tree, you know, not respec things for free, but just click a box yeah. and that the tree in that region is disabled would be nice. Um, you know, it it depends. Like again, that is that is much more of a hardcore issue than anything else. And also I can just run maps in another area of the tree, I guess. For a while, I've kind of wanted to be able to have two or three different versions of my atlas, even I, if it meant I had to unlock them separately. I think the main reason that GDG wouldn't pull the trigger on that is it's probably I don't know the the atlas is confusing enough, um, and having having a bunch of different ones that you have to you feel like you need to keep track of and set up optimally and all that. I don't know. I, I, I can mean, see that as being a justification for not bothering. Though to be fair, Hearthstone used that same logic and it didn't really hold much water there. Um, if you're not familiar, they used to have deck slots. Yeah, they used to have a limit on, on like six or three or however many. I don't know. I didn't play the game much. And they said they didn't want players to have too many deck slots because it would be overwhelming. It, I, I, it was no, it was enough that you could have one deck for each class. So that was their viewpoint of like, why would you ever have more than one mage deck for her? To like, just, yeah, just, <laughs> um, no. I, but the thing is, is like they could implement it in a way like, oh, you've killed Maven, you've unlocked some of the ladders. So they wouldn't do that because it's GGG. Be like, welcome, you've completed a tier one map. Here's fifteen Atlas pages. <laughs> like, have at it, new player. <laughs> you know, like. Oh. Uh. Oh, but just next to the button where you can switch them on and off for display, the trees have like three buttons where you can switch three different states of the little tree in the region. For example, no, that's they need that's... to they need to make it like the old citadel, so you couldn't tell what region it was in. So there would just be three moving buttons that would just rotate around your <laughs> atlas. 
and they would all look exactly. They'd all be slightly different shades of color. Oh yeah, they they made the citadels better. The citadels are real pretty now. No, I the like, citadels are good. I like I love also them what they. Do. Oh god, yeah. sorry. No, no, I love them visually, but when a citadel spawns with a with conqueror, you can't interact with the tree that you unlocked from Maven. So sometimes you're in that awkward spot yep. where you just spawn the conqueror and then you go and do your three, four, five, six way, whatever. You unlock new points, but you can't spend them because you can't open the thing. It's occupied, but that that's a yep. good pick. One thing I was going to say quickly, I did really enjoy what they did with the... Um the missions on the atlas so it's like yeah we can't really see these do i make just changing the visual a bit like yeah sure blinding light um <laughs> yeah that was that was good i i do sometimes think there is a slight layer of resentment that runs through some changes that happen it's like oh you want that fine we'll give it to you <laughs> that's really what you want yeah. we'll give was it to you in a way enough? that you realize here you go is yeah. the sun yeah. <laughs> Uh, mm. oh, specifically the Conqueror influence on the Atlas they're brilliant now yeah they look great yeah hmm. alright well, do we have anything left well, we nail this from like head to toe feels pretty good could open another can of worms there's always something but then we probably go massively over time maybe <laughs> Harky Cat wants to tell us a little bit about whether there's going to be a bay class uh, before the next leak announcement. Uh, Harky Cat would also like to know. Um, we don't do as many <laughs> bay class as we normally do, but that this is usually what happens when the Harky Cat tries to organize bay class. Hi, other people who I do bay class with. Are we doing a bay class? Wait five days. Yes. No. Okay. Next week. Hey, can we do this weekend? maybe one person will reply yeah i can do it i can do it no i can't do it okay what about next week and it's just like and then we'll have it all lined up then some prick will be like race week and it's like oh never mind like yeah whenever we try and organize something and it seems like we will maybe do it someone's going to announce a bunch of races and it's like oh never mind so um we will hopefully have one maybe um and it looks like we might have another um, bay class as part of like the announcement for 3.14 so if that happens i'll be pretty neat um but that's still all nice. to be worked out but yeah maybe maybe you're still pushing a build in hardcore to 100 this league hmm? Me? you're pushing your build still uh Not after level 99 death surely no I, I have another character at 99 i might take it to 100 um Shit. I am going to be doing a private league, though, in a little less than a week. Uh, Brittleney is hosting a bingo league, which is ah, where she puts bingo. together a she puts together a board of a bunch of different goals. You know, things like I don't know. It it it's it's usually not like super crazy goals because it's a relatively short league, so it's not like do a hundred percent delirious T nineteen, but something like kill a pure version of at least three out of five breach lords, or do you know delve to depth three hundred fifty or something like that. You know, relatively end game but fairly achievable goals. And the first people who get bingos, which five in a row, um, get MTX rewards, you know, things like a sixty dollars supporter pack or something like that. So I'll be participating in that. I have no idea what I'm going to play. I'm thinking maybe Cold Dot Slinger because I haven't played that yet, and it's a very good starter. Um, but there's some time before that starts, so I might push to 100, or I might just stream some Minecraft because I've 
kind of gotten back into that a little bit. That sounds all incredibly fun. I've only been, I only participated in one bingo so far, I think. Or was it two? No, it was only one. And this next one is happening this Friday, or Saturday, sorry, sorry. Saturday is when it starts. Um, and if you want to join, you can go to my channel or Brittle's channel and do exclamation mark bingo for info. Cool. Sounds good. So, Valor, any, any, any upcoming projects still? That, that Atlas guide? Hi. Coming out before oh, the Atlas changes. Uh, I just I, I don't even I don't I don't even know if I want to touch the Atlas stuff until we find out whether it's going to change every league or not. Because that changes how much effort goes into it. If it's going to it, change every league, it doesn't league, change until you publish it. That's the rule. Uh, yeah, which is why I don't want to do it right away. That's we'll find out if things change. Uh, most of what I'm doing from now until League Start is probably just nailing down League Start builds better. I'm going to try and add a whole bunch of build guides to the website because I basically want to double the number and I have nothing else to do but focus on it. So I'm going to focus on that and try and double the number of good League Start builds as well as I'm spending a bunch of time trying to get my time down because my time to maps for someone who's played as much as me, is garbage. Mm. I At best, I'm like eight hours to maps on League Start, which for like a full-time streamer, softcore trade person is bad. I mean, if it makes you feel better, I used to really care about that stuff. And I, I think my best was like in a, like a League Start environment was like five or something. But I always just do eight to ten hours now. I don't know. I just kind of, <laughs> I just regressed. For whatever yeah. reason. I just, I don't want to be like a racer or anything. Yeah. Like, I don't have that sort of motivation. But I'd like to get down to under five. Anything sub five would be fine. It kind of feels good to be in maps fast, but I don't really like those five hours of extreme rushing or five to ten hours, depending on your, or three to ten if you're a top tier. But um, I, I kind of like to take it slower on League Start and... Sometimes not with ritual, but sometimes I engage with the leap mechanic because otherwise you just you skip the leap mechanic until you're in maps and then all of a sudden you do it and then just something unexpected happens and it kills you. And it's it's nice to kind of ease yourself into that while you're still reasonably powerful versus the content and or you're or you're doing stuff that can easily kill you. But as yeah. for myself, I uh, I, uh, I want to get to ninety in the gauntlet after some disheartening rips. I'm still looking to enter the prize pool for the level 90 raffle. And then afterwards, I want to probably make some YouTube videos where I talk about the builds and my experiences with them. Because for the first time in my PoE career, I've actually played Detonate Dead Necromancer. And I've also played Purifying Flame Miner for the first time in the Badger Private League before that. And those are still, those two I want to digest a little and talk about because I quite enjoyed both experiences. As I usually do when I go out of my comfort zone and play like a new build that I haven't played before. Just it's especially for League Starts, it's so nice to pick something that you're already familiar with, where you know the progression, where you know what you want. But yeah, um it was a blast. Thank you guys for coming on. Uh, Thank you for inviting us. I don't know why I said I don't know why I spoke for Octavian then. Yeah. <laughs> hopefully the, Thank you for inviting us. Yeah, hopefully the wedding. Turkey had a great soon. time. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs>
<laughs> I, Octavian, it wasn't his best. I'm going to be honest. He, he's he's enjoyed other podcasts more, but you know, it's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, still still happy that you you were able to join and provide some uh, some points. And for those of you in chat, thank you everyone uh, joining and watching. And uh, if you have missed the beginning of the podcast, then this will be uploaded on Balor Mages YouTube within the next uh, 24 hours or so, depending on how the Australian internet treats Balor with the download of the episode. And uh, then we also have it on a variety of podcast platforms where most likely the one that you're happy to use will be included. Uh, there, there should be a link. In... I'll, I'll... There's, there's two links in that. One of them is the countdown to the beginning of this episode, which is obviously not useful anymore. But the other link links to our Buzzsprout site where you can find all the podcasts. Oh. Mm. Uh, next episode will be on the well, on the Saturday in two weeks from now. I don't know the date. It's the third, and it will be a little bit earlier. But we'll announce it somewhere uh, during the next week, I think. So, do you know who you're gonna have on for? Actually, this time we do. Yeah, who we have on? Do you, do you want to tell people with that, or just? I, I don't care if you had a plan. I'm ruining that. So, who are you having on, Gun? <laughs> You want to guess? Why, wait, why are you ruining the plan? I don't know. It gives me something entertainment. Actually, uh, I thought uh, we we're going to announce it at the end of the episode because, for a change, we actually have it planned out yeah, we, we, so we, that we, we can announce it. Ahead. It's great. <laughs> but, uh, okay, but, we've got Lighty and Ziz. Yeah. Which, which Lighty? The one that wins the, wins the races all the time? Yep. What? <laughs> yeah, yeah. The one that wins the races all the yeah. time. You make this podcast, right, Catmaster? I thought we were <laughs> going to have the YouTuber Lighty with the Y in the name, not the Lighty with the double it, E. It, I, I eventually want both of them, but... <laughs> so you know who you're having on? Yeah, we know who we're having on. It's yeah, funny we don't, because we don't normally because I, know who we're having on. It's, actually it's funny quite because I talked to Ziz about coming on the podcast and Balor actually talked to Lighty, so he should know which Lighty he talked to. I, I do. Wait, hang on. I apologize to whoever's getting offended by this. I would be extremely... Uh, uh, we can just blame it on Taki. We weren't prepared for this. Yeah, that's fine. That's it would have been all fine if you wouldn't, wouldn't have brought it up. Yeah. Yep. But anyways, this and some, some form of lighty, either with Y or double E. Yeah. Thanks everyone for watching. This is where we cut off the VOD and uh, we'll see you in two weeks from now. That was great.